least one slasher together. Yeah, no, we did. Let's see. It's like this on the schedule. Bad that we can't even. <laughs> well, <laughs> I've done. Travis has done like five in the last week and a half. I've done Psycho. Psycho. Uh, that's right. We all did Psycho together, which, which kicked is this thing off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. So yeah. we got the. We're getting like the top highlights of this whole subgenre. Sunday scary. Um, I think Chainsaw Massacre is the catalyst to this genre. What do they call uh, like when it, where a disease originates from? The subject the patient alpha. Zero. Patient zero. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Film zero. It's yeah. the patient slasher zero. Of zero. All right. Here. Ready? Well, Daniel already One, opened. I know. Two, three. <laughs> I'm such a loser. I missed out, man. I did. It was an instinct, though. I had a beer in my hand and I was talking <laughs> to somebody. And I don't I was know what like, to do. I panicked. I was I don't like, know what to do with uh, my hands? Can I? Can I give the beer to Kyra and then <laughs> just go get my own again? <laughs> Travis is like, don't worry about it, man. Just give it to Sadie. Dump one out. <laughs> Actually, I do, I dedicate this entire beer to Toby Hooper. There you go. Yeah, My beer is dedicated Toby to Hooper. Franklin. Frankie. Yeah, oh, he got Frank. done dirty, man. Yeah. Uh, hey, guys. Welcome mm. to Sunday Scaries. It's a podcast about horror movies where each week we take a deep dive into a specific film and try to find connections between that film and other movies within the genre. Uh, in this series, we're talking about slashers, and this week we're tackling the big one. The Texas, Texas Chainsaw, Chainsaw Massacre. Massacre. This is the movie that is just as real. Just as close. Just as terrifying as being there. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. After you stop screaming, you'll start talking about it. We're talking Texas. We're talking chainsaws. Talking massacres. massacres, of which I am an expert on one of those things. I'll let you guess. <laughs> chainsaw, like chainsaw man. Yeah, <laughs> seem like a chainsaw guy. <laughs> yeah, right. Daniel As I like <laughs> served y'all barbecue right before we did this. Yeah, he's. Oh an my art. god, what was in the barbecue? Oh my god, <laughs> I was laughing about that. You're just the cook. I was thinking yeah. about that. Yeah. As I, was watching. I watched the movie like 30 minutes before I came here. Uh, yeah, and I've been smoking a pork shoulder today. Yeah, so how did that a... work for you? Did you feel a little turned off from meat after? You know, I actually have given. This is going to sound really fucked up, but I've like <laughs> Mary Kate and I have gamed out. What would it take to smoke a human like what would it actually how would you do what would be the best ways and stuff and yeah it's hard I, i'm like no way there's <laughs> like no the logistics way. in like a like a cooking yeah like aspect? the entire like, like how that? would you smoke how would you cook a human being oh, okay is it because like if you're tasked with like cooking the entire body you like yeah. it presents a logistical problem well it, it's just so much weight you, like yeah. you talk about like a 10 pound pork shoulder feeds like so many people mm-hmm. yeah uh depending on the human this is so fucked up <laughs> <laughs> no i mean I, I feel like this is a great place to start <laughs> depending on the human like different cuts are going to be like have different quality too so like if yeah. there were a fattier human mm-hmm. you oh, yeah. know the belly would be rich you go more for like a, a brisket type of cook right yeah, right yeah. which could be like uh or or like you know the legs that's those are mm. just like prime smoking spots but if they're muscular yeah. they're gonna have to smoke longer mm-hmm. because like, that's like just really calves? tough your calves are insane mm-hmm. that's no a nice one's got right nice calves. Yeah. this would be a shank for 
family. Those, that's the calves of a walking man. Yeah, exactly. Both of you. Yeah, it's like you're on your feet for your work often. Yeah, hmm. it's weird. weird how that works that. out. Uh, <laughs> hey, we're talking Texas Chainsaw Massacre. We're drinking. We're, we're talking about the most Texas movie in, in that we've done so far. And we're drinking Lone Stars. We're drinking a Texas beer. Texas yeah. beers. Talking Texas movies. Uh, and we're here. We did it. This is the uh, the climax of our series on slashers. Uh, we put Texas Chainsaw Massacre in there for for reasons we will discuss here in a minute. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. So five friends head out to rural Texas to visit the grave of a grandfather. On the way, they stumble across what appears to be a deserted house, only to discover something sinister within, something armed with a chainsaw. That's the summary from... Um, yeah. Um, uh, was this like yeah. chainsaw ripping? I did it in post. Yeah. I'll, yeah. <laughs> that's a future Travis problem. That's what, that's what Chris says on his body. He says, that's a future Chris problem. Like, that's a, you're right. That is a future Travis problem. Um, yeah, man, damn you, past Travis. <laughs> that's every fucking day of my life, man. <laughs> every goddamn morning. Um, right off the bat, I'm noticing how much easier it is to talk about a movie that has like relatively few big stars in it. All of the <laughs> actors in this yeah. were unknown at the time, and kind yeah. of most of them remain that way. Mm-hmm. Um, we're talking about Toby Hooper, the director, the writer, um, the man, the myth, the legend. The man, the myth, the legend. Uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, 1974, uh, written and directed by Toby Hooper with co-writer Kim Henkel. Uh, mm-hmm. Stars Marilyn Burns as Sally Hardesty, Alan Denziger as Jerry, Paul A. Partain as Franklin Hardesty, William Vale as Kirk, Terry McMahon as Pam, Edwin Neal as the hitchhiker, Jim Sato as Old Man, and Gunnar Hansen, the Icelandic American mm-hmm. actor, as Leatherface himself. Classic. 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 This wasn't, uh, I, I assume you guys, I mean, I don't want to assume, have you guys seen this before? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've seen uh, it once before. Like once before? How old, I want to know how old were you when you first saw this? So for this is a good me, I was in college. I didn't, this wasn't one of the ones that I saw as like a high schooler or as a kid. I think it maintained like my fear. I really didn't like, I, th- I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but my relationship with horror movies has like really grown like out of the last like five or six years. Yeah. Um, as I've gotten like into horror, like literature and like writing and stuff um and then kind of in picked up on more the newer movies in horror that have come out um i didn't watch a lot of horror movies throughout my childhood unless it was on accident unless i was forced to because i'm a huge scaredy cat and Mm -hmm. i'm a big hypochondriac and i'm afraid of everything all the time you know and look Um, at you now and look at me now uh but yeah this was one that i saw in like college i think like freshman year of college going through yeah for me it was Freshman or sophomore year of college, like at a Halloween party. Yeah, through so what eighteen like, or nineteen, maybe. Yeah. yeah, I think the first time I probably like witnessed any scenes from this movie, it was without audio. Like you said, probably at a party on a projector mm. or something. Because I feel like we've all seen like sections of this movie. Because it's yeah. just it's so it's iconic. Hard to escape. Yeah. But we've never like sometimes you like if you, you watched American Psycho, you saw. Yeah, you've seen bits the of the scene. Yeah. Oh yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, whether yeah. it's yeah, through, yeah, yeah. through homage or through actual just like clips, it's just that the movie has been so cemented within pop culture over right. the past fifty years that it's um, it's hard. It was probably, it's hard to escape it, especially living in Texas. I feel like it's a uh, you know it's the, the Texas is Did synonymous you, with the name This is a question for both. Did you know about the love for the original when you were like a child? Because I just want to know how you came to this. Because I, 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 my story is I came to it through like all like sequels way 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 down right. the road. Mm-hmm. Right. I think I actually saw Chainsaw 3D, nice. which is I think that's the one with Alexander Daddario, yes. right? Or that was and a- Trey Songs. <laughs> this is a true wow. story. Yeah, but they fucked up the projection, so I got my ticket back. Nice. Um. So I, my buddy and I went to see it, but that was like the first chain, and it was very like bland. I do remember. So yeah, I didn't. 
have the understanding of the reverence for the original right. when I saw because I think in a similar way I think the Jessica Biel the 2003 um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre was probably the first one that I saw actual like the whole scenes of as like a teenager and stuff mm-hmm. uh, when it was playing at my friend's house um, but again yeah even that movie I didn't see in its entirety until I was in college I think and this one particularly was always in the category for me um, of uh, of movies that like are inherently scary just because of their aesthetic and design. Um, yeah, no, I, I, it took me a while to come around to understanding like how important this movie was within, mm-hmm. within horror. I don't think I really realized it until I rewatched it yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. And then it really hit. Yeah. Like, and it's, I think also it, cause I feel like a lot of the movies or some of the movies we've watched, uh, like we talked about this in Poltergeist about how like, you know, there's these classic movies that have a, have a very like great deal of importance and weight within the genre, within horror specifically, in the communities around horror. Right. But like when you rewatch them, like some of them, like they hold up for for different reasons as different movies. We watched Psycho at the beginning of this series, and that movie mm-hmm. is a is a weirdly modern movie that it's it's Hitchcock though, so it's going to be a yeah. fantastically moved movie. But when we were going through and watching, you know, The Hills Have Eyes, for instance, or Poltergeist, um, there's some things in those movies where you can see the age and you know the that they're they're, they're of their era very much um with this movie i i don't know i didn't feel that way as much as i was watching it kind of with the the rose-colored lenses of this is a very important horror movie i was shocked at how much i appreciated all of the elements visually and yeah mm. filmmaking wise and structurally and i think that's also what when you read reviews of it from you know contemporary reviews from the era um like the roger ebert reviews uh Roger Ebert reviews are always like can go one way or the other where you're like, all right, you kind of missed it or you Mm -hmm. didn't get it. But this one was highly praised where people people always do this within the genre when they're talking about the accessibility of horror as a genre for young and early filmmakers. And to their credit, when they were talking about Toby Hooper, um, the documentarian going and making Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the takeaway that that the Roger Ebert review had was that this this film is too good for the genre. It's too good for the Grindhouse B movie, and it it doesn't has no business being as good as it is uh, in the mm-hmm. genre that it's being made for. Right. Um, yeah. There's a quote from this other article in the New York Times by uh, Jason Zinneman that came out uh, earlier this year, actually. Um, that I because in contextualizing the movie X and Pearl and Ty West and the history, the legacy of this film. Right. Um, that I think kind of frames this conversation perfectly where he says, you know, of the classic horror movies of its era, none is more revered among genre filmmakers, yet Chainsaw has been stubbornly hard to imitate in comparison with peers like Night of the Living Dead, Halloween, um, and other movies that spawned entirely different genres. Right. Uh, and in going over, over reviews and articles for this episode, it's hard to overstate how much reverence there is for this movie. It's uh, If you go through, like, like if you're reading through the Wikipedia article, yeah. there's an entire section talking about accolades and reception, and it's basically just a list of all these different, you know, movie critic, you know, houses and stuff saying it was number one is the scariest movie of all time. Number one is the best horror movie of all time. Right. Um, it's like frequently, and, and it, I love this too, cause it breaks, this, it breaks the entire genre. Cause it's like one of the most important movies you need to see. Right. Like it's like mm-hmm. consistently ranked in top 1000 movies you should see in your life. Yeah. 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 And I think, um, you know, when they, like in the Ebert review, they talk about how it has no business being as good as it, as it is, but that's a modern like that's us that's retrospective right yeah because at the time they weren't trying to break break the genre yeah they were just 
creating a new section of the genre. Right. Um, and incidentally, they made one of the best movies of all time. So, yeah, it's it's, it, it's hard to beat. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like, looking back, you're like, yeah, they, how could they even do that? Yeah. It's like, well, they didn't know that I, they were doing that at the time. Was it? I saw somewhere. I think in my research too, they were talking about like the resurgence of the slasher in the last like you know five to ten years is kind of like it's getting a second or fifth life that's it's mm-hmm. got this indie like it's become a it's a circling back around to like In a very the like 2010s and 2020s now. yeah it's, yeah it's getting more nuanced as like a, a proving ground for like indie horror filmmakers mm-hmm. and a lot of different things I, yeah and i think it's kind of returning to its purest form a little bit too. yeah that was like, one of the greatest takes um from another i think it's very you know it's like really prescient that we've been talking about you know at when this episode comes out the pearl episode will be public um, and we reviewed, you know, X when that movie came out. Mm-hmm. And Ty West is a filmmaker, and those movies um, are used really frequently. And because they're, you know, X is a direct child, a you know, a, yeah. a artistic child of the 1974 Texas Chainsaw Massacre, in the sense that, like what you're saying, in the era of of what is being called, you know, like elevated horror, in you know, the era yeah. of A24 and these very art house, like very beautiful mm-hmm. psychologically uh, somewhat yeah. self-indulgent movies and stuff the yeah. the they say you know the idea of ty west coming along and making like taking using the a24 studio and kind of just doing it backwards back basics yeah doing yeah. it backwards and being like well let me make a b movie slasher in the this art house studio yeah and uh and it's a it is yeah it's interesting it's like it is taking horror back to that that era of um of uh, like the transgressiveness of a film, um, the displacement of you know an audience's sentiments, and doing something that is subversive. Not that mm-hmm. you know, I you know I think we we ironically use the term elevated horror all the time, right? And it's it's thrown around a lot, but it's uh, you right. Know, those, those We're kind of like gripey about yeah, it, yeah. But those are great movies mm-hmm. that we fucking love, like, and so it's yeah, that's very um, true. Yeah, and I think it's also interesting. So, like, I feel like it's an easy shorthand even for people that have never seen um, the original 1974 movie to call Texas Chainsaw Massacre um, the scariest movie of all time. Uh, it's up there with, you know, The Exorcist and other classics that are just sort of used, you know, syn- synonymously uh, with being like, well, this is the the extreme of yeah. what you can do to yourself as a viewer. Well, and I want to point out, too, that um, obviously, like, we'll, we'll probably get into this later, uh, but there's just a, like an innumerable. It's a I mean, it's technically like a franchise film because there's just what, like nine of these things. And, right. you know, there's like a, a yeah. remake every five or six years. And then countless like, like rip offs. Yeah. Yeah, and, and people like overt, like blatantly just being like, this is Texas Chainsaw, this is Texas Ch-, like all these things. So mm. it's like never really disappeared from public consciousness. Yeah, and mm. even if it's not like a part of the franchise, just the the, uh, the tropes and like the yeah. uh, the basic like the toolbox of the slasher that it sets up. You know, you right. have your, your Harbinger, your gas station, you've got your yeah. the crazy house, you've got like, your, you know, the final girl. Faceless, uh, bumbling villain yeah antagonist or whatever um but it's funny because i think this is the other point that uh i kind of wanted to get to first about this movie um before we get to like discussion of the plot or anything but it's interesting because in that article that i was talking about zinnemann points out that um there's a lot more to this movie than just the scares and it's surprisingly more subtle and i would argue like a subdued than you would expect um and it's interesting because in in a way in an effort so toby hooper at the time of the making of this movie in an effort to try to get a pg rating um there was no pg-13 at the time Mm -hmm. he was trying just not to get an x and an or an r rating um he was taking stuff away cutting things from the movie and making it in such a way that it's it's weirdly bloodless it's a weirdly Mm -hmm. like not gory movie most of the things that are the blood that shows Mm -hmm. is not 
right in the violent the most violent scene exactly it's more left to the but what's crazy about it is like in doing that he weirdly actually made the movie scarier yeah he made it more violent <laughs> because it's like it, he leaves up to your imagination the rest of the the grotesqueness of of what the the antagonists in the movie are um yeah are doing. it speaks to it like there's an impressive skill that some filmmakers can accomplish and others just don't i I also love the opposite where they just go like full on on the gore. I just think it's oh, like, yeah. hilarious. And, it's and the amazing. Sam Raimi method where it's right. Like, they, yeah, yeah. they go full Raimi, but mm-hmm. this is like the exact opposite, yeah. uh, you know, stripped down. But it like it shows they know how to like how to frame violence. So you mm-hmm. feel the violence of it, even if you're not like this, like you're literally if you're not literally watching blood spurt, you're yeah. like mm-hmm. that looked and sounded painful. Yeah, it's awful. like that quote that we talked about. We were doing Hush, uh, the Mike Flanagan quote where he talks about if you you have to have a very gentle or very careful hand with the amount of gore because beyond a certain point you're making a different kind of movie you're making a different mm-hmm. genre it becomes comedy yeah it becomes slapstick and it's yeah. like there are some filmmakers like we said like sam raimi who embrace that and he's like the more blood i can pump into this thing the better literally because they'll have just, like a pump and it yeah. just like sprays <laughs> yeah or the craven method and like yeah in uh, nightmare on elm street where it's you know yeah. it's a different type of movie that it can still be scary but it is startling the effect of restraint in a movie like this that is it should be like a spectrum i feel like mm-hmm. craven's at the dead center because mm-hmm. like like nightmare is kind of funny like his point was to make it a little funny but also very violent like bloody in a way that i still felt yeah so it's like is it a specter spectrum from like toby hooper to Raimi with craven at the dead center yeah and it's also just name drop as many classics yeah right as well because uh, it's straight name drop another one that i think is interesting because it's like a triangle right because then there's like the cronenberg yeah. thing where oh um, the shit biggest thing... this shit just got three-dimensional so, dude, the, the biggest thing with me when we were watching five uh, <laughs> god damn uh, dude like fucking uh crimes of the future was a big one for me where mm-hmm. like that movie like body horror yeah, yeah it's body horror and it's really great and so that's that one you know that spectrum right where it's like you have really gory stuff or subdued stuff but then the other element of that movie that was so startling to me and why I, I was so befuddled as why to why it wasn't scary or unsettling yeah. is because it's set in a universe where nobody feels pain so the right. reactions of all of the actors and the characters don't communicate that they're experiencing something grotesque yeah. Yeah. because in the universe that that Cronenberg created for that movie everybody's okay with it so it's weirdly like when it's you like watch unsettling it unsettling in its own way you know what? it's yeah. got to be like a triangle where like one one side is like depiction of gore and then one side is like the sensation of pain Mm-hmm. And then another is like, I, I'm trying to. Well, it's trying the depiction of gore, it. but then what I'm getting at is is the the actual performance of the actors right. communicating their experience, right? Where it's like when you watch a movie like this, right. like everything is visceral and everything is very very hard to watch at some points because right, right. the act like, even without showing any, yeah, yeah, like and I think it speaks to the, you know the directing and the acting that. I was so surprised in the rewatch of this. I guess it's been like a year or two, maybe more, since I've seen this movie. But in really like looking at it with an analytical eye, analytical eye and being like, dude, these stunts are pulled off so well. Yeah, the acting is like really it's good in the in the scenes of horror and stuff. There's some shitty acting we'll get to in a little bit. That's kind yeah. of annoying, but like it's yeah, it's just a great great fucking movie that that holds up. Um, We'll discuss the larger themes more in depth here as we go over the plot or mm-hmm. after we go over the plot. But at the top, I want to kind of like point out, um, you know, talk about some of the inspirations for the story as sort of, as sort of the background, right? Yeah. This so, is based on a true story. Exactly. It's that first thing, yeah. right? Uh, marketing it as a true story, too. Uh, and this kind of goes, this is like one of the first. Spoiler alert. Examples it's not. Of that. It's mm-hmm. not a true, true story. Yeah. This, the events of this movie didn't yeah. happen exactly. It's vaguely as they did. based on several different stories. Mm-hmm. Um but it's it's funny because it's like the marketing and as a as a true story successfully boosted its popularity. Mm. 
and also served to sort of like subvert public discourse um, as a political statement, right? This comes about, so as a little bit of context, this movie comes about in the 1970s, right? Um, Hooper and Hankel were writing in an era where uh, our faith in public institutions was waning uh, in the wake of Watergate in the midst of... Yeah, uh, I think Watergate was 72. Mm-hmm, yeah, in the, in the wake of Watergate and in the midst of uh, the, the Vietnam, Vietnam War, War. Mm-hmm, uh, the idea of objective truth is disintegrating, right? And so proposing that the events of this movie uh, took place in reality is, right. is an intentionally subversive move to be, you know, to also kind of be like, let's use that. And let's, let's kind of propose that, you know, these, these events are true and mm. make that part of the meta sort of like consumption and marketing. And from a cynical point of view, it also boosts tickets. So people yeah, are fascinated. Yeah, that's just yeah. Like good marketing. yeah, exactly. Um, and Hankel and Hooper. So Kim, uh, Ken, uh, Ken Hankel, uh, and, um, uh, Toby Hooper are also discussing that, uh, the other inspiration for it, obviously, was uh, our, our big boy Gein that we've been talking there about. There he goes. The How long do we make it? I feel like we made 30 minutes. We are no, 20 not even. Minutes in 20 minutes in, and Ed <laughs> Gein got brought up. Ed Gein made it into the Poltergeist That's episode. He did, man. Uh, He's been was, the, he is kind of the OG. He's the mascot of this series. They did yeah. liter- They did actually base this off of actual Ed Gein. Yeah. He's much not more like so a spiritual. This literally is like this Ed Gein is, was part of the inspiration for this. Yeah, this is yeah. When, when people talk about, when you go and read about and you start like you know going down the rabbit hole of uh, his exploits and the, uh, the history Which behind him. I love the Wikipedia article says they were like, well, he only killed two women. Yeah, but he did. He that's, yeah, that's the thing that we like, yeah know of. Yeah, he yeah, might, yeah. Might have yeah. killed his brother. I don't know. We'll, there's there's a lot to get into there. Uh, yeah. I think we talked about it more in the psycho episode, so mm-hmm. I don't I don't want to kind of rehash anything that we already talked right. about. Um, go listen to our psycho episode if you want to hear us talk a little bit more at length. But um, Tyler, apparently, Travis is a or Tyler is an expert. Yeah. He knows a thing yeah, or two my, about Gein. My Wisconsin boy, Plainfield. Mm-hmm. That's why I also Plainfield love Butcher, baby. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this movie is like the perfect uh, culmination of of our Wisconsin Texasness uh, yeah. coming into horror. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the other one that I was surprised by, though, was uh, in the inspirations for this that um, Kim Hinkley was or Hinkle was also inspired by uh, the Dean Coral mur- mur- murders. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you know about those? The, it was Austin, right? It's Houston, yeah. So Houston. it was like, uh, yeah, yeah, he was a, a uh, he was active from uh, like in the from 1970 to 1973. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a recruiter Houston. for. He, he recruited men for an older homosexual man, right? Yeah. So yeah. Uh, Dean Coral was the older homosexual man. The, the oh, one okay. that, uh, so but he yeah. had somebody bringing. Men yeah, he in. had a couple mm-hmm. of different sort of like sidekicks who would uh, basically go out and essentially kidnap young boys for mm-hmm. to go take them back to Dean Coral for him to mutilate and and, yeah. and so now we're going kill on them. fucking dominant. Dahmer rabbit hole too. Yeah, it's one of those things. Like Dean Coral is one of those. <laughs> boy like, number God, two. Jesus, yeah. <laughs> what's wrong with us? Dean yeah. Coral is like the other boogeyman of Texas in the sense that yeah, he was like he worked at like a chocolate store or something. Mm-hmm. Like and he had uh, in Houston. He this was like in you know when, in the early stages of Houston where the population was like exploding, but there wasn't like any kind of there was like one police officer for like every forty thousand people or something. Mm-hmm. There was like something ridiculous yeah. like that. Um, but essentially, yeah, like back in the 60s and 70s, he profited off of this atmosphere where it was like back then teenage boys would just disappear. And sometimes they would like send a letter like a few years later and be like, hey, I ran off, got a job. Here's some money. Um, but <laughs> it was perfectly it was perfectly normal for families to be like, because, you know, when when you're you're poor and you're suffering and mm-hmm. every mouth is a, is a burden or whatever. There we go. That was the clarification. Yeah. I 
you know, having a young teenage boy just like kind of up and disappear. They were they like, do well, eat a lot well, of I don't got to feed them anymore. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was fuck. so, and that was the that was the the prey that Dean Coral, you know, would, would target essentially. Mm-hmm. And so he he uh, kidnapped and murdered at least twenty eight uh, young boys um, from 1970 to 1973, mm-hmm. uh, and would hide them under sheds and uh, you know killing pits essentially. Um, and he would have yeah he had two assistants who went out uh, and would abduct help him abduct you know the kids and stuff. Yeah, that was. Wayne Hanley, uh, Henley and uh, David Owen Brooks and so mm-hmm. that kind of it's funny because I, I know of that story but I never made connected the dots between that and Texas Chainsaw Massacre but it does make yeah, a lot more Hooper's s- experience yeah and the combination of those mm-hmm. and with like the Ed Gein mythos and the grave robbing and the um, the repressed and you know murderous individual and all the taxidermy mm-hmm. and you know the, and cool, the familial ties yeah and... the art projects and we'll, we'll get into this yeah. a little bit more as we I, I do think the one other thing that came up in my research, I think Hooper was present during the 1966 tower shooting at UT. Oh, I guess that, yeah, it would make sense because no he was way. at UT Austin. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, so um, seeing them, all the bodies and yeah, everything. Yeah, so like he, you know, was, from what I read, um, was present there, heard the gunshots going off, cop came up to him and was like, you got to get out here. And the cop got shot like right in front of him. Yeah. Good gosh. Um, so I think that probably contributed a little bit to his, that and like, yeah. his mindset. And like we said, uh, so this is taking place in the midst of the Vietnam War. And so this is the first time that the American public is being shown these grotesque scenes of war on TV mm-hmm. uh, and being subjected to, you know, the horrors of the, you know, the U.S. military industrial complex yeah. and all this stuff. And Hooper attributes that directly like in interviews mm-hmm. he's like yeah i listen to this uh, radio broadcast from san antonio and they vividly describe how people got murdered mm-hmm. that day um and I, that like type of american media like just pushing the most sensationalist like right. grossest shit to get people to listen mm-hmm. obviously is shown here mm-hmm. I, I mean in the intro like the first scene they're listening to a, a radio broadcast yeah and it's all just like shitty news and, yeah, yeah it's yeah. just the it's worst the really dark imagine. yeah hey, let's yeah let's go ahead and start talking about the plot here um that's a good segue into uh to getting into the uh the, the actual events of the movie um but yeah that that was another thing that in my rewatch this time because i was like i had the captions on and i was like really intently like listening i didn't Man, I guess it, it was always lost on me how much they frame the grave robbing thing right at the very beginning, yeah. right? So the news broadcast. So first we get the opening credit sequence, uh, mm-hmm. the fucking fantastic uh, dialogue read by John Larroquette, uh, who apparently, so the narrator for this, this opening sequence, uh, he was paid with one, a single joint, uh, <laughs> <laughs> which I guess like- My man. If I, you're gonna, I would have done it. I yeah, right? <laughs> if anybody needs me- I've done a lot more for a lot yeah. less. You've heard my voice. If you want this- shitty voice to record an opening dialogue crawl for your fucking movie give me a joint and i will probably do these it. events are bi- <laughs> <laughs> the film which you are about to see is an account of the tragedy which befell a group of five years right, let's get this over with this thing's only got like five maybe ten minutes in it <sighs> in particular we sally hardesty take. and her invalid brother franklin mm-hmm. it's all the more tragic in that they were young <laughs> yeah <laughs> they do but he does because give us the old very, people die it's fine he gives like the dead serious reading and you're like oh shit i should take this seriously he says My bad, everyone. there's there's one reading uh in that opening crawl that like really just stuck in my ear he says bizarre 
mm. he says mm. the bizarre events yeah. of this and I like it just stuck it needled He's, its way to my ear just a little ear. Frenchness in there oh. yeah they couldn't afford a second take because they did, they just had the one joint yeah so. exactly <laughs> yeah. it's probably like poorly rolled so it just <laughs> died immediately out, dude uh, yeah, but so uh, Sally Hardesty and her wheelchair wheelchair bound brother Franklin, along with uh, friends Jerry, Kirk, and Pam, visit the grave of Sally's grandfather to check and make sure his grave hasn't been disturbed. Um, that's the thing, like you said. So this radio broadcast is going on in the opening credits, and from the radio broadcast, we get these really macabre details about graves being, you know, tombs being un- 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 uh, unearthed and uh, mm-hmm. body parts being removed, if not whole carcasses. Um, and then we get the the initial shot of that amazing like artwork body sculpture thing with the uh, yeah. yeah the bodies the two bodies posed on top of each other in some garish sort of uh um it is mm-hmm. intense Just getting baked under the texas sun yeah <sighs> yeah it was it was crazy how much of this movie i forgot about and rewatching it again it's like i'm like oh yeah they they do set up everything and there's a lot more logic to the plot than i kind of like remembered yeah um because yeah so they're going to visit the graveyard of their grandpa on while they're already on a road trip because they want to check and make sure his grave is fine, right? Um, so they show up to the graveyard, which we might visit this weekend in Austin. We'll see. I might visit it. I don't know. Oh, I'm, they I'm shot it. Uh, they shot the movie in uh, Round Rock. Mm-hmm. It was just like an hour north of Austin. Yeah, so we're going to be on less, our way there. Less than an hour. We yeah. might be hitting that uh, the cafe where the new house is located. In, oh, nice. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. so we'll see. It's literally like really close to where we're going to be this weekend. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> and also maybe the barbecue shop. We're going to get some fucking barbecue We this slaughter weekend. barbecue. If it's Do not it. there, when we'll... This isn't an endorsement. This is a pre-endorsement. So yeah, just take that for what it week. is, and we'll tell you if it was actually good. Yeah, we'll okay. shit all over your barbecue. <laughs> no, we won't. Uh, so afterward, uh, the gang decides to go and visit uh, an old family homestead. That sounds like a Scooby-Doo title, or it, like a it's Always Sunny title. It the is, gang goes and visits that's how I. That's how I wrote a lot of the plot points of this movie, because that's what they are. The they, gang. Are the, they are the original OG They are kind of Scooby-Doo-y. Yeah. yeah. They got that Yeah. No, it's the, it's the mystery machine. It's the green. Movie. It doesn't have back seats. It's just like a front seat and a, pa- a driver and a passenger seat and then just like an empty van. It's a Ford van. A Ford empty van. Yeah. Back when they made vans cool. But they're like driving along to go visit their grandpa- their grandfather's uh graveyard oh they they meet the hitchhiker after the graveyard yeah so That's after right. the graveyard they're already they're on the way to the yeah to like their their old family home like the mm-hmm. old the grandfather's home and they have this awesome conversation about horoscopes and everything uh saturn being in retrograde yeah how, how evil it is do you know when saturn is in retrograde right now are you actually is it mercury asking, in retrograde you, yeah. right now? yeah look if at you me man. <laughs> this was a video podcast <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't know. If, I don't know if how much the of, skepticism uh, yeah. on Tyler's face is. It, it's it's ah yeah. I hate Saturn retrograde starts in zodiac sign of Aquarius on fourth the fourth of June and continues until October twenty third. So Saturn is currently in retrograde. Oh, it's Saturn. I thought it was Mercury for no. some reason. Saturn. Well, Mercury can, is in retrograde before Saturn. I learned this okay. earlier today. Uh, Man, you fact check everything. And I was just curious because I was or like, didn't... "You're just you're one of those guys." Yeah, I just wanted to, I wanted to check. Yeah. But Saturn is currently in retrograde as of film as of recording this podcast. N- don't go to the house outside of Austin. Dude. You're finna get murdered, <laughs> both of you. I can't do this podcast alone. I won't because I'm an, I'm not a Capricorn. So. Not... Oh my god, <laughs> I'm not ruled by Saturn. S- same. <laughs> you're not I you're guess? not either yeah your yeah. birthday is next week it's uh yeah. so what date what exact date and year and also what's your social just uh, asking for a friend <laughs> I, yeah so they and pick also. up a hitchhiker who uh <laughs> talks about his family who worked at the old slaughterhouse they pick up mm-hmm. uh the greasy old uh chop top 
He's not chopped up yet, but he's... This guy's looking like a fur trapper he from looks the 1800s. Like, did he look like James Franco to you mm-hmm. at any point during the mm-hmm. scene? Yeah, he looks like Pineapple Express era James one. Franco. With what a, a weird birthmark. birthmark. Yeah, with a, with a face birthmark. He looked like a skinny Jay, skinnier Jay Baruchel to me. Who's Jay Baruchel? The he's um he's he's the he's yeah. uh James or not James Seth Rogen's friend from Canada, uh James like the really skinny guy. She's out of your league. He's oh. the star in that. Oh, mm-hmm. I never knew that guy's name. Yeah, is, hmm. is, skinny Jewish comedy yeah. guy. It's I mean, Jay Baruchel. Literally every set friend of Seth. Rogen. You know Rogen. this <laughs> is the end. He's yeah. like the guy who comes to visit Seth yeah. Rogen, Got and it. then he's like, "You've changed." <laughs> uh, but they pick up the hitchhiker who talks about his family who worked at the old slaughterhouse as they're kind of they had just been passing the slaughterhouse right yeah. um, which kind of sets up the other underlying theme of, uh, of um, industrializing America and worker displacement mm. that we'll kind of get to here in a little bit uh, he borrows the hitchhiker borrows Franklin's pocket knife and then he cuts himself and uh, then proceeds to take a picture of Franklin with a Polaroid camera yeah so I get well okay so there's five teens mm-hmm. who are they <laughs> yeah so this is uh, so Franklin is the paraplegic brother of Sally right is it mm-hmm. paraplegic or quad paraplegic paraplegic yeah. you're the medical professional Para. yeah. thank you yes thank you more than one one non-functioning to be clear about limb, that one but not para, four but not all four the bottom yeah. half does not yeah so he's wheelchair bound yeah um his sister sally sally and then the we have seat. pam who is the other girl and she's the girlfriend of jerry, jerry who has a awesome fro uh <laughs> and then we have kirk who is sally's boyfriend and the driver that's jerry Jerry, oh, that is Jerry. My bad. Yeah. So yeah, we got the two couples, and then Franklin is the fourth. They're all rocking mad wheels. 70s like looks, The fifth too. wheel with four wheels. The fifth wheel with four wheels. Fuck. God damn it. <laughs> uh, so uh, they pick up the hitchhiker. He takes a Polaroid photo and it really creeps them out, uh, mm-hmm. talking about his hobbies, his hobbies and how his family used to work at the slaughterhouse. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a brief discussion of... Um, I didn't catch this, but uh, I, I don't know if it happens here. I guess it happens when they're passing the slaughterhouse. But there's a quote that is actually referenced in No Country for Old Men. Um, yeah. So they talk about how they're having a discussion, which kind of sets up... It's foreshadowing for later. They're having a discussion about how the cows in the slaughterhouse mm-hmm. are called or slaughtered before yeah, they go to yeah, feeding, yeah. right? I was and immediately how, thinking of that. Yeah, how they, they used to do it with a big hammer. and it would They take, used to you know, use a sledgehammer mm-hmm. and just bash the cow's yeah, brains they, in. They wouldn't always die on the mm-hmm. first hit. Right. It took a couple this, of whacks. This hitchhiker is like explaining... Oh, we used to beat the shit out of cows for money. Yeah. <laughs> but then they mentioned earlier, and then they bring it up then again, that they, now they use an air gun, and it's mm. one pop to the forehead, and it kills the It shoots cow. a bolt, and then sucks it right back yeah. in. Yeah. Instant death. Kills it instantly. And keeps uh, repeating it. To, yeah. which the, uh, to which the hitchhiker replies, no, that's no good. They, that mm. takes away jobs. And you're like, huh. Yeah. It does. Yeah. I guess for you folks out here. And yeah. It totally West, does. Central West Texas. But that quote is referenced in No Country for Old Men, also set in Texas, mm-hmm. where, uh, yeah, they it's like right at the very beginning, before uh, Javier Bardem's character, Anton Chigura, he uses the uh, yeah the, the pressure bolt gun for the mm-hmm. rest of the movie. And I love Tommy Lee Jones' gravelly voice in that movie explaining it to yeah. her in the diner when he's like, you know that they got this 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 device it kills the cow just shoots a bolt straight <laughs> through the head this is like oh, real really good deep. Tommy Lee Jones I, was it yeah. I didn't feel like it was yeah. trash but it was thank good. you 
we'll listen to it on the playback. I think you'll, you'll appreciate it. <laughs> I love No Country. It's like one of my favorite movies. It might so. be one of the yeah. It might be one of my favorite. This movies movie, however, um, so they uh, he he kind of gets real 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 quick. He uh, takes a photo and they refuse to pay for it. Um, he asks for two. He's kind of unhinged. Like yeah. he's just he's one of those you know when you meet a stranger in public and you're kind of nice to them, but then mm. they start talking to you, but then like talking way too much. They're yeah, like, yeah, and then my mom and dad divorced, so now I live with yeah. my dad on Saturdays. But my mom's really nice when she's not drinking wine, and you're like. Dude, I just met you. <laughs> I don't need to. Yeah. Don't but now you're in that. my van. Have you ever had an encounter with like a total stra- like a stranger who might we have been a little dangerous? We worked in Deep together for like four years. I was going to say, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you guys probably like the homeless population. Yeah, there's a lot houseless of. Houseless population. Yeah, we had, a, we had a lot of regulars and a lot of people who, who went through different phases uh, while we were there, which I think was a really interesting. So back to this movie, it's I think there's a really interesting perspective that, you know, you call it exploitation, right? Yeah. The idea of like portraying characters that are of this, uh, of the like, you know, the, the forgotten parts of like rural America and stuff. Yeah. Um, the uh, I think it made me think of is like it, it, it is exploitation in the sense that you're portraying like we're going to get to this a little bit more later but yeah it's like this idea of like the underbelly of like you know the ec- rural areas and people who yeah. you kind of don't want to see in movies or like talk yeah, about yeah, yeah. and they're treated as like sometimes they can be treated as the butt of the joke but like in instances like these too they you use them as the uh, as the catalyst for like the events of, of your horror movie right um, yeah, I've definitely, I think, you know, we both d- dealt with our share of characters and mm-hmm. you learn a lot about like, it's, it's, it's always interesting. Like the, we're going to get to the 2022 movie in a little bit, but like people's conversations about like neighborhoods and about places. And I, I, I have a very stern sort of like opinion that you shouldn't be able to escape from like people that are suffering like that. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. kind of why I have a problem with cities that like do, I mean, everybody should have a problem with cities that are antagonistic to unhoused populations, but um, cities particularly that like cordon off various neighborhoods and stuff and make it harder for, for you to have to come into yeah. contact with those people. Yeah, for um, the upper class folks to actually witness what's going yeah. on. Yeah. Um, before they make their voting decisions that directly influence. Yeah, or policy. just buy property or just, you know, like exist and develop, you know, whatever mm-hmm. neighborhood you're in and everything. But uh, yeah, it's a, he's, he's definitely a character. Like, he, yeah. he comes full circle though, and you're like, that's, Something too in the rewatch of this that I was really interested in is like how they they do set up and frame the idea that these people are just sort of casualties of, like you said, like job displacement and economic yeah. displacement. He says it right up top. He's like, you can tell this guy, and we learn later that the whole family worked at the slaughterhouse at one point or another, essentially. And I thought it was super interesting too the way he's having. This is my second time watching it. The way I remembered this happens, but I don't remember what he said. But the way he was like describing the slaughtering methods, mm-hmm. it's like not it's not a specific enough that I was like, Oh, he could be talking about how to kill humans. Yeah. Like we wouldn't, they wouldn't know the audience wouldn't know. Yeah. It's like only something I would think of the second or third time I've watched it. I think that's the idea is like, he's talking about killing. Right. He's just talking about killing. Yeah. But they think they frame it as like, Oh, this is what slaughterhouses do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good, it's a good way to get into the, yeah, to the murderous events of the movie, I guess. Um, but yeah, he, he kind of freaks out because they don't want to buy the picture for $2. Which is the equivalent of like twelve dollars now. So that's, yeah, that's an expensive you know, Polaroid picture. I don't know. Polaroids are expensive though. I guess. Yeah, I mean, Films. they are now. Yeah. Um, so he uh, he pulls out his razor blade and he mm-hmm. cuts uh, Franklin with uh, with with a knife, mm-hmm. uh, and then and they, they pull they, over and, and just eat him, kick him right out. Yeah, of kick him right out of the van, as you like you would. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he runs in on the side of the van and wipes his blood on the side and draws a symbol. I guess. Oh yeah, yeah some sort of cryptic. 
Yeah, they never really explained. Do we know what the symbol is? I was going to ask you. You, know, you I, do all the research. Oh, yeah, I forgot. I, I looked into <laughs> it and got no concrete answers about I don't think that. it's... Well, my it, thought it was... Like what if... more of like, uh, like a death mark. Yeah. Right? Like, That's I'm, what I was thinking. I'm marking... Like, these people are ours now. I assumed yeah. it was a signal to, yeah, to the other yeah. rest of the family. Yeah. Uh, kind of thing. Cause I mean, he's they... also just deeply unhinged, so yeah. there could just be, like, nothing to it. But I think he knows that they're going to end up at the gas station. Yeah. So I think that's the other aspect where else are they going to Yeah, exactly. Um, so they kick him out, and uh, the gang stops at a gas station where uh, the attendant tells them that the pumps are dry. Um, and this is their first encounter, yeah, with, with the old man, Sawyer. Um, they uh, they get some really nice window washing service, but the guy doesn't wipe off the mark on the side of the van. Mm-hmm. And also, that, I guess that guy is just a regular employee. He just works there and doesn't have anything to do with the... Uh... You got to have a cover story. Yeah. That guy's just, yeah. he's just a minimum wage worker. Just part just... of the extracurricular activity. Essentially yeah. just like a paid alibi. Yeah. Yeah. That checks out. Um, Not that I've ever gamed out how to murder. <laughs> this is where we oh, get our, uh, I think this is like the first. God, if any... I ever get arrested, this this podcast will go into as admissible <laughs> evidence and I will be, I will definitely. I think the, I'll plead, I'll plead the, the Poltergeist episode, I was like, I'm going to shoot the composer. And immediately was like, <laughs> you better hope he's God, another I mean, white guy complaining about another <laughs> meaningless thing, threatening to shoot. I was like, oh God, I'm a. I'll plead one of those. My name is John Garrett Scarcelli. I live in (laughs) Las Vegas. I do this every time I say something offensive. I'm like, my name is, and then name drop one of my other friends. (laughs) They'll never know. They they definitely will know. (laughs) I guess if they listen to this podcast, I'll tell them. I'll just be like, Garrett, you're going to get framed for uh, a whole lot of things here pretty soon. Uh, We get the first of many butt shots of uh, Pam, I think, in this uh, sequence. She's got Uh, a, uh, this is, it's a a butt shot, but also she has a very open back. Yeah. It's one of those, um, I guess, strapless. or. Is that a halter? Time? Three men are gonna guess women's fashion. Hey, is that All right, a I want I want each Kyra. of us to take a guess. Kyra. No, no, no. <laughs> I think no. It's a, no, it's, no, no. Let's take a guess. Doesn't it have straps that come up? I thought it was. No, like it does. A, yeah, you're yeah, right. It's, it's like got like a neck situation. strap, but it comes up around. It's got no back. A backless shirt. I'm not legally wrong. I, <laughs> I'm I, not. It's not. This a won't be the thing I get sued for. <laughs> it's, 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 I know a lot surely. about women's fashion. I feel like you're describing. No, I think she's wearing a shirt. Under, I don't know. There's I'm no back now. That the, no, there's no back to the shirt she's wearing. I think it's right. just like a like a bathing suit front or something. I, maybe it's a bathing suit. Yeah. In the in the trivia for this, they talked about how she had the most comfortable uh, costume for the entire movie. Yeah, because it was a hundred uh, degrees when they shot oh, this damn thing. Yeah, because yeah. people were fucking passing out while they were filming. Yeah, we'll the, get to that. You know, we'll yeah. get to that. We'll get into the production in a second. But uh, so they, um, I have thoughts about the production. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to hear your thoughts because that was that was my question for you. Um, so the gang dries off. They they resolve, resolve to come back later because the pumps are dry, but they need gas. Um, they're still on their way to the old homestead. Uh, they make it to this like really rundown old family house and start you know gallivanting. It's their family house, right? Because mm-hmm. yeah, she it's, says it's Franklin like, I used and to Sally's. Stay here. Yeah, it's Franklin yeah, it's, and Sally's, the uh, hardest household. Father, their grandparents. Yeah. 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 Stayed here when I was Before a child. they passed away, mm-hmm. which I guess they just abandoned or let let go to rot. Yeah, Franklin yeah, says that their dad luck. owns it, but they yeah, don't. Good luck selling that. Yeah, which is another point that they're making. Yeah, like that air, that area, like the displacement of Dude, labor. Twenty twenty two. That's a four billion dollar property. Yeah, that's a counterpoint. Good, uh, the that's cannibals a... make it way less. Do you think they lowers property value? Yes, I do. I do think having murderous people next to you lowers your property value. I think that's not something you would put on the listing. No. Oh, my God. I think on the listing, some realtor would I mean, you don't legally have to if you didn't die on the property, right? Very involved. And they all die not on that property. 
Unless listing... you're assuming that the the Sawyer family murdered their grandparents. That's a prequel. Mm. I got your first thirty pages right here, baby. Man, we just keep pitching like diamonds. I'm gonna start Ty West on board. He's into it. Ty, call us. So Frankie tells Kirk and Pam. So Frankie has a meltdown. First of all, I'm start calling him Frankie. He starts having a meltdown. He's such a sweet guy. He's not. We need to be clear about him too, because he is he's paraplegic, but he has his brain functions fine, right? Yeah. I don't think that was implied at any point. Tell that through his upbringing, he. He's infantilized, I guess. Yes. Like, I think it's also he has not been treated him. as an adult. There's a childish yeah. aspect to it that feels like he's like very like he's like a twelve year old. He's still acting like a twelve year old. Yeah, I'll say, do you think that's intentional? Yeah, I, I didn't get I thought it was just that they gave Franklin too many lines. I thought that this guy is just kind of I don't know. See like I don't think so. I, think I don't want to be the one to guess because I don't. I just not. Yeah, I'm not familiar. Enough I don't with think that that's the way it's to, to even. I pitch. don't think that that's the way the character is necessarily written. No. Um, I think there is a really interesting element of it that comes out because it's one of the first, our first introduction to Franklin. Sunday scaries. He's uh, like the most charismatic. He has less the most lines. Yeah, exactly, and it's like to a, maybe to a fault, but like he, uh, or the first, yeah. uh, the first introduction to him is them having to stop so he can take a bathroom break, um, you know, on on the side of the road, yeah. right? Which you know presents its own, meal. yeah, it presents its own problems for somebody who doesn't have use of their legs, um, right. and it's kind of like the way that relationship between him and the rest of the you know the the, the group is is framed is like it's it's unfortunate but it's like it, it's portraying the idea that like he you know there's an extra onus of of the whole like right. caregiver paradox and then mm. he is aware of his whole conflict as a character is he is aware of being a burden or yeah. feeling like a burden on other people and so i it, just it, wanted to be clear about mm-hmm. that because the first time i saw him i was like is this are they trying to tell us he's some kind of neurodivergent i think it's just campy dialogue Okay. Yeah, okay. I think it's especially at that moment. This is his whole breakdown where he like everybody's like running around and laughing upstairs yeah. where he can't get to, which is kind of just an asshole thing on yeah, their part. And he's just rolling <laughs> like he can't even barely get into the house. Yeah, so yeah. he's just rolling around the house and kind of like talking to himself yeah. and you're like, "Oh, Franklin." Now, one thing that I thought now this might be getting slightly ahead, but mm-hmm. because Hooper describes Leatherface and the actor who plays Leatherface also described Leatherface as being neurodivergent, right? Um, somewhat disabled, uh-huh. right? Um, so I don't know if they're trying to create some di- like this might be going some way too parallel. deep, some like <clears throat> parallel or a dichotomy between like one might say they're juxtaposing. Juxtaposing, fuck off. Juxtapazuling. <laughs> <laughs> I need another beer. I've been sitting on that for months. I have been sitting on that joke for months. I almost said it in the Poltergeist podcast. There's, uh, but there's definitely some sort of dichotomy there between yeah. like having, you know, one of the victims of a disabled, like arguably potentially disabled antagonist, be also disadvantaged. So we'll we'll touch on this more here in a little bit, but um, kind of one of the clear parallels that you have also you, you draw between those two characters as far as like you know like I said the caregiving paradox where it's mm-hmm. like yeah. you know when caregiving becomes an obligation or it is an obligation but like when you know in, encountering and dealing with your feelings about your legitimate feelings of you know of like burden and like having and having to care for somebody else mm-hmm. um, it's also paralleled in the sense that so the other chair bound individual in the movie is the grandpa right yeah the centenarian yeah the centenarian that guy scared the shit out the of the crispy husk proprietor yeah of a human yeah. being um uh, he's the real or the, face. they take they take the caregiver paradox to the opposite 
Yeah. Like but, the complete opposite, where they're doing completely wild, fucked up things to take care of it. Yeah, because yeah. the, uh, so the thing that we'll talk about in a little bit, the theme of the uh, the Sawyer family, so the cannibal family, basically perf- doing a very, like a performative caricature of, you know, regular nuclear American family sort of rituals mm-hmm. and stuff, having dinner, caring for your elderly and stuff, but in the most maniacally sort of hellish way possible right Mm -hmm. and i think that maybe that's kind of like the parallel that's proposed here is like all right you know when you have somebody who who needs a little bit of extra assistance from you know their community and their family members let's show like a a seemingly normal version of that and then here's the other version of it which is Mm -hmm. from hell like kind of thing um so i think there's lines to be drawn there too but yeah we'll get into it more here in a second um but Franklin's throwing a hissy fit. Throwing his hissy fit. Uh, so uh, Kirk and Pam come down, and like he immediately kind of chills out, I guess. Yeah. Um, they're like, hey, Franklin, you're okay? And they're like, oh, yeah, they do care about him. Uh, they just were all hanging out. Classic. Yeah. Like, and then they're like, we're going to go swim. We're oh, going to, yeah. where's the uh, Where's the old swimming spot? Yeah. Where'd you say that was? He's like, uh, I don't, and why? And we're going like, to go. We want to swim. Swim. Big yeah. air quotes Quote, there. <laughs> we'll be back in about an hour. And that's optimistic. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. Someone's showing up. Pam is like Franklin. <laughs> seven minutes. Tops. Yeah. Like, uh, seven minutes. Oh, man. Yeesh. Yeah. And so they, they uh, Pam, and, Pam and Kirk go off to go find the uh, uh, the swimming hole. Uh, I think so. I think we, we misnamed people earlier. Uh, Kirk is Pam's boyfriend. Jerry with the mm-hmm. fro is yes. Sally's boyfriend. Okay. Okay. Because um, I was wondering why they didn't work. They're, like they're all American. Don't worry about Pam and Kirk. They die. Yeah, they're not going to be around like, very long. Su- they're not yeah. very present in the. Film they get to the. They honest. get to the watering hole and then mm-hmm. very quickly uh, hear the sound of a generator off in the distance. So assuming that there is gas that can be bartered for, um, they h- hike on up to this house where they're going to go negotiate some gas for in exchange for a guitar's collateral and maybe a couple of bucks so they can mm-hmm. be on their merry way. Um, very quickly, they. Uh, discover that the door to the house is unlocked. Uh, Kirk is knocking on the door, trying to get somebody's attention. It opens, and he sort of walks inside. We get the first shot of that uh, amazing wall of skulls, which, mm. I don't know. I know it's all supposed to be macabre and shit, but some of those like decorations just look fucking cool, man. Like all those deer skulls. and Yeah. yeah. Well, and looks... Franklin, Franklin also discovers at the family's yeah. home, too, there's like skull charms, like bone charms. Yeah, and, like, like fetishes and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So clearly... This other family has like intruded upon mm-hmm. this space. Yeah, they're they're going out and making little totems and everything. This is, and I think this is where we get you know some of the early like establishment of some of these tropes that show up and from everywhere, everywhere from like like True Detective. Uh, yeah, like I think that was a big one that like triggered my mind. The uh, yeah, just the the various art projects that you do with the bones of dead animals. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, in the scene back where Kirk is at the uh, the Sawyer house, he's in the Leatherface house. Uh, he makes his way back to the wall with like his hands on his hips and is like admiring the the fine craftsmanship of. Uh, of yeah. These uh, skulls because he hears a pig squealing. Yeah, which is why he enters. Yeah, and then he which gets... is not why I would enter. But <laughs> he... oh, there's a pig. No, I'm out. Like, <laughs> nope, I'm, not I'm good. Out. Not That's down for an that. invitation. Yeah, uh, immediately gets bonked on the head. Uh, yep. That was the Big first. Time, it yeah, happens so quick. It does right. That jump a lot scare. of them do. Yeah, he like comes it's... out of nowhere yeah. and like fucking like yeah that and things that... escalate. Yeah. Things, yeah. things get out of hand real fast yeah uh he like knocks him down and like yeah he does like that spin fall move which mm-hmm. was really great i was like man good yeah. stunt work yeah Kirk. and then you go straight into a seizure yeah like you would i, guess. I don't know but does that happen if you get enough head, head injury potentially yeah yeah, yeah. Could happen. Get, that actually like, makes that was the one thing i was like that actually makes the most sense to mm-hmm. me i feel like i don't most... know if it would happen that immediately but right like for the you know 
We don't need to see a drawn out. He starts out. seizing, and then Leatherface puts him out of his misery with a second stroke. Yeah, that's which nice. if just anyone like the yes, yeah. just like the yeah. cow. <laughs> Sometimes it takes first, more than the one. The first whack. hit yeah. doesn't work. Yeah. Um, he drags him in off screen and then a uh, weird shuttered door. Yeah. Just immediately yeah. shuts. Is it, does it shut then or does it shut? No, it whenever? shuts then. Okay. So mm-hmm. yeah. Cause Pam is waiting around on the, on the nice little swing set outside trying to figure mm-hmm. out where, where, uh, what haven't occurred. So she walks in willy nilly, goes into the house, uh, peeks around the door and then discovers the, the she room. She trips full of and falls into this mm-hmm. room of like, of the crafting room. Yeah. Yeah. Arts and crafts. It's Martha Stewart's little. It's just dead. What, what are they like? Feathers. I assume I it's feathers, feathers from a plucked and ah, a chicken. Yeah, there's a chicken in there too. Yeah. It's a. Oh, it's so intense, some, but chicken. Yeah. Ah, ah, chicken. Ah. <laughs> a pollo. Because they just cut to it. Yeah. Because this is where we get like the camera work in this whole sequence is like you know it, it does a face, lot to and make then it's the chicken's face. Yeah, and right. it makes the room seem a lot bigger when than it is. Cause and it's, it's like, one of the cool things too is like it's it shows details like mm-hmm. they're just like really nice long static shots of like the detail work, which is like mm-hmm. every production designer prays that they'll do that. They're yeah, like please show off my hard work because it really and the like tension builds. Yeah, like, it, it builds the tension. Yeah, it doesn't go. It doesn't necessarily go quite too long. You know, it hit a point where I was like, okay, this scene should be over. Yeah. yeah. Short, <laughs> shortly after that, it was over. Yeah. Was like, yeah. You know, that's fine. Yeah. It's a good amount. Yeah, because uh, Leatherface discovers her, discovers her pretty quickly. Uh, she tries to escape, oh, and then we get the she most, goes bad. Yeah, the famous shot, the the one of the most like I think terrifying ideas is like getting to freedom like getting outside the door yeah. and then him literally coming right behind her and just grabbing her Which and she's dragging like, her back in i would say like 120 yeah i would say gunner hansen's not and a he's sweet a fucking man like 220 yeah. six foot seven at yeah 236 with one arm yeah. just like ha- like uh, carries her back into the house hauls her room. inside yeah because i mean that's, that's all wild. done he's only 18 when they filmed this yeah gunner hansen was that makes a lot of, that makes sense why he did it yeah i was gonna say well because yeah, they're all super young because they're all fresh out of film school, mm-hmm. and like that was in like the working for UT. The whole crew yeah. too is like yeah. Toby Hooper just scooped up a bunch of people who would do exactly. No, what we're he told not them done do. though. Not only does he carry her inside the house, he yeah. hauls her ass into the back room, which we haven't seen yet. And mm-hmm. there is the body of Kirk laid out on mm-hmm. a table, a butcher's block essentially. And before he gets to the body, he fucking just lifts her and. Th- Hooks her on a meat hook. Yeah, and she literally hook. just Ugh. dangles while he gets a chainsaw. He gets this chainsaw, takes revs his time it. too. Yeah, he's not like, worried. But, yeah, no, he like takes his time in in a thoughtful way. He goes like, and this is other like we're gonna kind of get into this a little bit more too. Um, the, the 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 remakes and the 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 attempts to homage or reproduce like Leatherface yeah. have n- largely in in many cases fallen flat because you forget how much thought is given to this character mm-hmm. in this original movie. The, he's the not ritualism involved. Yeah. And he's yeah. also not a mindless beast. Mm-hmm. He's like, he, he has forethought and like has, it gets upset um, and thinks mm-hmm. about things like, you know, and you can tell by, yeah, his, his thoughtfulness and his reaction and the time he takes, like yeah. starting a chainsaw and like looking at it and like, doing all this shit and it's a yeah there's a weird yeah and then he saws her kirk's fucking head off Yo, yeah, in that front next. of <laughs> in front of what's her face pam i guess and we have all to... she's hooked and dying yeah not dead dying and we have to assume that she's obviously there throughout the entire process of him dismembering her boyfriend oh, and then sure. yeah there's okay she's present this is i'm gonna defer to you medical professional you got say you got hooked on a butcher's hook what through like the back of your 
heart would i guess the hook would go into your lungs maybe and like pierce your lungs yeah, so would you I mean, you could i mean people do you could it could be a, a kind of like a suspension type of situ- uh, scenario too where it's through the skin yeah and you're just hanging there uh, oh, yeah. so it's like that for fun like a piercing you know? sort of yeah, yeah there's like right. some body modification people yeah she could have been very alive i assume that he like she was you definitely alive long enough to, to watch well this oh, will, yeah, we'll get to this in a sec because i actually was well, she's still alive later one. yeah that's yeah. my that was yeah. my that we'll get to that then. yeah so um, she's not dead she's just hooked yeah, yeah. she's hooked she's she's loving it she got a taste of the old leather and uh, said yes mo- yes please yes, so jerry daddy. heads out to look for pam and kirk <laughs> at sunset uh he finds the house and goes right in there um he finds pam uh, so jerry wanders on in he finds pam still alive and then mm-hmm. uh before he can do anything about it leatherface kills him too this is the very next sequence that happens yeah so it's like yeah he, he goes in and that's when we get the shot of him going to the cooler where leatherface is keeping pam and he opens you hear it. like tapping and he's yeah. trying to figure out like someone's trying to get out mm-hmm. and he's like trying mm-hmm. to figure out what it is it's it's cool too because when he walks in you think oh he's gonna find her and then she's not on the hook right mm-hmm. and you're like oh my god what what happened to her and then you hear like banging and skittering and mm. then he and opens you assume it's gonna be leatherface yeah mm-hmm. you open the fridge door where he kind of looks at it mm-hmm. and she pops she kind of bursts out mm-hmm. um like in a spasmic way yeah, uh, yeah. sort of she like lunges out yeah really which of uh, course leatherface like then immediately gets in there and yeah that's him. another one of those great bonk stunts like yeah the jerry goes to the ground really bonk. fast clubs him to death is what <laughs> yeah. we're trying to say but bonk is way more fun yeah, yeah. it's just a that's something i think that's how leatherface would put bonk, it too. Bonk. go bonk, to bonk. horny jail yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh and also just the way he like slams her back into the cooler yeah like he just like bang, bang, like shuts the door real quick so that was my thought was because she kind of like lunges out but she doesn't do more and she's like blue she's kind of frozen mm. and i was like is she dead like was she was it like a death spasm but if she was she had to have not been dead to bang against the no i think she was mm. still alive so sure. she was but yeah. she couldn't do a lot once she was like her upper half was yeah, out of the she's fridge just, she's barely there yeah um one might say she's hanging in there mm. She's hooked on a field. Travis, do, nice. a, do a mic drop. Do a do a do a little drop, a beat needle drop. She's <laughs> she was on a feeling. <laughs> nah, Daniel. She was just chilling in Cedar Rapids. So Sally and Frankie Lynn are <laughs> back at the bus. Uh, they mm-hmm. argue over a flashlight for a while, um, and then resolve to go off and look for people. And um, Sally says, like at, at sunset, she's just really tired. Franklin's yeah. kind of like, I get it. You you didn't want to bring me along. This is like the only real emotional plot of beat of this movie. Yeah, is like the Franklin being like confronting her, like. I am just a burden. Like you yeah. just brought me along because you felt bad for me, and then she's like, uh, "I'm just really tired." She's like, "Doesn't answer the question." <laughs> yeah. And at sunset, she says she's tired, and now we're he- here. We are at night, and they're like, three of their friends are just gone. Mm-hmm. They don't know what to do. So Franklin's freaking out. He has one flashlight, and she's like, "I gotta go look for him." And he refuses to give and, it up. Yeah, mm-hmm. and he refuses to give it up. But she's like, "I can't just fucking wheel you around." She literally tells yeah. him, "Like I cannot wheel you down that hill." And so that becomes a point of friction yeah, for a logistical problem. Yeah, yeah. for them to kind of like fight about it. And then finally, like, fine, fuck it. We'll just go together. Yeah, they run off. And then uh, on the way to the house, as they get close, Leatherface jumps out and he. Uh, he That's the shit from like haunted up. houses. You know, yeah. when you're walking a haunted ring, house ring, ring. and someone just pops out of nowhere. <laughs> ring, ring. <laughs> they, he just out of absolutely nowhere like the lighting is so stark that you just don't see him until he's like Dude, chainsaw these, right these in Franklin's body. Shots yeah. Are 
perfect. Like yeah. The, the moonlight, you know, I don't know exact, you would know more about this, how they lit that. Yeah. But like, it looks very natural. It's just dark enough. Um, and f- it was 50 fucking years ago. That's actually right. day looked, for night. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it was a little no nope joke. Yeah, oh yeah. Those shots look so good in yeah. my opinion. Like it I, does. I put that in my notes actually. It was like even for how dark those shots are and how uh like in camera practically they're shooting on 16 millimeter at mm-hmm. you know in, yeah. in twilight or whatever. Um they're just it's cuz they're also just framed perfectly. Like yeah. there's the one shot where they come like around Franklin as he's holding the flashlight. Like the flashlight is in mm. is in the camera like directly shining into the camera yeah. and then they well and Toby away. Hooper will do this throughout the film too. One mm-hmm. of his like I guess the language of the film too involves a lot of like you know there's a lot of shot for shot reverse shot for like conversations but right. in certain sequences either as transitional statements or like reestablishing he'll go back to a wide and mm-hmm. like a big wide mm-hmm. so it's like they might pull over to the side of the road it'll be like a big wide so the butt like the car itself is tiny yeah or, or earlier like, even whenever uh pam is first walking up to pam and kirk are first walking up to the house right yeah. there's like a sideways like panning shot um like rotating around the house which yeah. also showcases pam's butt again um yeah but yeah it's yeah. a there's movement to it and like in that establishes the house and like the characters walking in um yeah you can tell that was something well this is something i'll kind of like pull out earlier before a lot we finish of the plot a lot discussion. of uh, dolly work too it's like yeah. smooth camera movement it's yeah not, there is like a few handhelds that stand out handheld shots but mm-hmm. there's a lot of there's an infamous dolly shot that is kind of like the the like signature shot of the movie mm-hmm. but there's like even when she's running when the camera follows with her i think it's on a track mm-hmm. a lot mm-hmm. because it just goes straight like perfectly level follows her the entire time right and that was something that like oh in, in trying to figure out why this movie scared me so much when i was a kid or like when i was younger and like why i was avoiding it um i would always try to summarize like the aesthetic like the palette of this movie yeah. as being like that's what was scary to me is like the graininess or the because um, there's something about mm. movies that were made before the 80s right where it's mm. like it just sits in your brain as being something that's like yeah gross because it came from this era but mm-hmm. then i watching it again i realized like what i was trying to like define is the fact that like these movies because toby hooper was such a documentarian there's this element to it as well where of realism yeah, yeah it's it's filmed as if it's like being like like shooting like real life you know like following a crew around or something yeah Yeah. so i caught myself a couple times during this um thinking back to when i was trying to be an edgy high schooler and watching like august underground and Mm -hmm. like those fake like fake smut found footage films Mm -hmm. um which are not good looking back now but i was like i'm gonna watch it because it's really fucked up and it kept reminding me of that where it's like it's hyper realistic mm-hmm. um shot in a very like um i don't okay you got to explain this to me because i don't know what you're talking center. about so august underground was like it's a series of they're basically smut films like like Whereas visual like, creepypasta basically okay. yeah like this yeah. we abduct this person we torture them in a basement and we record it on a camera sorry you said smut and i thought porn for some reason we, no, we did smut, pearl like, and i had just like gratuitous <laughs> porn in my head my gratuitous bad. violence it, yeah. like um, underground though like something like that pa- parents don't want you to see snuff yeah films. no they didn't yeah yeah snuff i said yeah that's what i meant was snuff, snuff. not smut there's some smut in oh, it too. crossover there there's hey some, all right we'll call a yeah. B. don't watch that movie yeah don't watch it uh-huh. uh but i kept it brought back like flashbacks of that the way yeah. those scenes are framed yeah and how like based in the reality of that scene it is um 
which is not good. That's not a good flashback to have. No. So <laughs> it reminds so me I was of scared. Like, watching early Slenderman videos as a mm. teenager, mm. like getting deep in, down that rabbit hole when it was like at its peak. I like how you say Slenderman. Like Slenderman. Slenderman. That's another Wisconsin throwback right there. Slen- Slenderman? Slen- Slenderman. The man Slenderman. who slanders your name. <laughs> the Slenderman. <laughs> the Slanderer. It's Johnny Depp. It's- <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, no. Boo. I, he's never going to come be a guest on the podcast now. God. Well, you said the man. I yeah. think both of them. <laughs> Both of them did some slandering, okay? You're, so that no, 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 no that's one. accurate. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, it's also just a, th- there's some there's some shots in here that feel like beautiful documentarian styles. Like yeah. there earlier, we skipped over it, but there was like a, a shot of an armadillo on its back, like right in the opening sequence. Well, that's the thing I think too. Like, and the finishing sequence. Leads yeah, into the yeah. documentary aesthetic is a lot of like detail work. Yeah. yeah. All those, all the insert shots in between all yeah. the scenes where you get like, like Franklin stabbing his knife Which, into the wall. This or, is kind like, of funny. This is like a great, a great gripe I have. Well, not gripe, but a, a thing that documentaries can do to pad their runtime. Oh, B-roll. You, yeah, B-roll. <laughs> yeah, what is it? Josh Whiteman? Yeah. Josh Weissman? Time for some B-roll. <laughs> yeah, it's essentially that, which you kind of, you can kind of see it when it goes too long, but yeah. his stuff is just so interesting. You want to watch this, like, here's a shot of a skull crafted into a candlestick. Yeah, or like, and in a narrative Here's feature. several bones made to look like a, I don't know, Dreamcatcher. Yeah. yeah. And in a narrative feature, it's like, it, yeah, it just serves to, it serves the, the, you know, the artistic language of the movie where it's like, yeah. you know, it, it's, there's, there's one earlier, man, like when they first visit the graveyard, um, it was a character that like I had never thought about before, but it's the, the drunken man on the yeah. tire. Yeah. The math um, out, Who dude. says he's like seen things. Yeah. He's yeah, like things the. Things happen out here that yeah, people don't talk about. He's like the harbinger, like God the muse of, yeah. the, of the entire myth of the story. Mm-hmm. And like he's shot up. Upside down, God, he's almost laying like a Greek on that Tyler. Exactly, yeah. dude. <laughs> oh, and he's he's literally rambling drunkenly. He's like, "There's things out here that I've seen." Yeah, yeah. and it's it's cool, dude. I was like, "That guy is fucking." That's the best like, character yeah. of the movie, man. We should go check out this graveyard. They Let's should have given that guy more lines, dude. Mm. Like that guy was fucking killing the, it. Also, that sheriff's so fucking creepy, dude. It's mm. like, oh. Let me, let me steal lady. your girlfriend let me, here for a minute. Let me just run her off into this graveyard real quick. Yeah. Yeah, you can come right down in here. Just grab, grab, grabbing women by the small of their back. Yep. Not a fun thing. Hey, uh, so Sally and Franklin go out to look <laughs> for everybody. And uh, like we said, Franklin gets uh, chopped up by the uh, by Leatherface. Uh, Leatherface just like chainsaw Like directly him. into it's him. already yeah. going and just kind of does it. And then goes back. Kind of swirls it around a little yeah. bit, like he goes in and slashes, oh, yeah. kind of like does some was, trimming around that the other side. As is, yeah. They made, I don't, I forget the actor that plays Franklin. They made him sit there while like he waved an actual chainsaw in front of him, completely still, yeah, within inches of his body. So it was both. Uh, so it was also so um, Franklin played by. Uh, oh my God, where's my uh, credit for him? That's where's crazy. Document. Oh my gosh! Shit. Shit. Okay, no, uh, sorry, Paul A. Partain as uh, mm-hmm. Franklin, right? Yeah. Um, it happens there, but also the other one I think where that trivia fact comes from is from William Vale, who plays Kirk. Uh, whenever they're mm-hmm. first in the first yeah. deaths that happen, right? So that's where he, as he's going to like start dismembering Kirk's body while Pam is hanging there. That's the one where it was like he was three inches from his face with an actual uh, chainsaw. Yeah. Um, this will fit into our conversation in a little bit about the production of this fucking movie. I have thoughts. Uh, <laughs> Nobody yeah. had a good time. Uh, I have 
have <laughs> thoughts. So in this next sequence, uh, Sally runs into the house, uh, and then we get the whole chase sequence, and she discovers the family upstairs. She eats herself out a window, uh, and then runs to the gas station. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so in this, this is like the where we kind of initiate the whole downward spiral of the final girl. Um, and we get into like the mythology of this of this actual like monster. Of the family. What the hell is going on? Kind yeah. Because until then, literally everyone's died too. Yeah. They're all dead, and it's just her. When, mm-hmm. when we get yeah. to there's, the there's midway no, point, there's mm-hmm. no preface. Yeah, yeah. It's just uh, Leatherface shows up, and he kills everyone. And he fucking murders. Them. But through her sort of like journey Murks through them. the house, and then escaping back to the gas station, we start to connect the dots between the various characters. Right? Mm-hmm. She gets up to the house, and this is the most like Ed Gein moment, uh, the most psycho moment, where we see the the the, the crispy bodies of the, uh, the I guess the grandparents, grandpa and grandma. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Grandma is completely decomposed, no eyes or anything. It's just basically a skeleton with a little bit of like leathery flesh clinging to it she's been taxidermied a lot like the little pets and stuff that are all arranged around them she's embalmed a little bit this is one of the i think this is where the gruesomeness of because this is also like where in talking about ed gein's crimes right the gruesomeness of them doesn't come from him actually committing acts of violence against other people it's the following maintenance it's the macabre fascination with death and with Mm. the body and treating the human body and other dead bodies as if they're just playthings for you Mm. to to mess around with he wore a person's skin yeah (laughs) now and and that's like there's a lot of cultural differences that lie in like that belief because here like if somebody's like yeah i cut my dead mom's body at our house for five days you'd be like you're fucked up Mm -hmm. but there's plenty of other cultures right where that's the point yeah like and you everybody comes and visits for a week or you just line up for like days on end and and wait for days to go see your monarch who's dead in front of you (laughs) yeah what what well we talked about this actually uh (laughs) long live the king yeah and by long i mean he's gonna live for like two years we're american it's in our nature it's in our dna to defy the the, the to monarchy to, to, yeah, to slander as the monarchy yeah Fucking my wife's grandmother <laughs> i better not listen to this podcast <laughs> i don't know why she would but she was a nice lady <laughs> grandma's everywhere got check-ins from their grandkids like hey grandma how you doing no that, that was actually a thing like in the uh the family group text that i have like yeah. my uh my grandma's not around anymore but my aunts and my mom and stuff were talking about how yeah she she loved the queen because like they were like the same age and she became that a queen generation she... just has like a different feel for their mo- for that monarchy yeah, yeah i mean we had well, an i mean ex- you're like born you've your entire life you've yeah with yeah this, this one figure and which, they were also right. they did they throughout their life you know at the beginning of their lives you know witnessing the sort of the final death throes of, of yeah. british imperialism at, mm-hmm. and, at, during the indian revolution and shit um but yeah i don't know like there's we talked about this on our last episode about um like the relationship with death we because we were talking mm-hmm. about poltergeist and we were talking about ghosts and haunting and other stuff and you're absolutely right like there's this idea where um in in ghost movies and we were talking that that was kind of the subject of the poltergeist conversation was like it, separating like in american and western society like separating ourselves from death and like not really wanting to have a relationship with it right um, which is one conversation but i think the whole the transgressiveness of all of this is the idea of like it's also similar to the poltergeist thing where it's like defiling the body and like mm. to a degree that is that is unholy like it is like yeah. it's uh it's a transgressive like inhuman which was also sin against nature because it's the same thing yep. yeah mm-hmm. yeah it's him but then there, having, you have the antithesis to that too in other cultures mm-hmm. as well like if you go back into like ancient egyptian culture yeah like, mm-hmm. it's just the most sacred thing yeah that we're gonna build 
and just imprison this body yeah. so nobody can ever yeah. get close to it. And like I think even... I mean, it's a spectrum. Yeah. Thing. And in uh, so in our Psycho episode, we kind of talked about um, the interesting thing about Gein that um, Harold Schechter sort of like uncovered when he was working on that comic book that he hadn't thought of whenever he wrote his initial book on it is this idea of sort of like the ancientness of his uh, fascination yeah. with the body, the idea mm-hmm. that it harkens back to this like almost like like aztec civilization like and did mm. like almost like ancient level of like you know fascination with the body and and ritualistic treatment of it um and it's just the whole but the whole point is like taking a perverse version of that or like treating that as perverse by bringing it into the modern realm where it's mm-hmm. like you have these characters who function as like like we said earlier um sort of hellish satirical caricatures of like a family unit right yeah. and this is the extreme version of that where you're so connected to and so obsessed with the idea of your relative or family member that you literally refuse to let them go mm-hmm. um, to the point that yeah you preserve them because their your entire existence is is centered around them yeah, yeah. Um, and that's honestly I mean well, there's real life well, examples of that no, happen all the time talk, in yeah, and, and we stuff. talk about like how you know maintaining a body after death like that people think it's really fucked up mm-hmm. but working in the hospital we do the same fucking thing to people yeah. that still are still alive yeah they're yeah. essentially dead but we're just because of the the love and the maintenance of the family unit right they're still there technically alive mm-hmm. um, which is the same fucking thing it like is and then not, it's like, like you're barely a sentient being yeah but you're being maintained because people can't let go it's the same fucking thing right as keeping a dead body around yeah, and I guess that's Sorry the question. If you don't like that, but yeah, that's that, what it is. That's the question that's posed is like, <laughs> is like, <laughs> when does that become like transgressive? Right, yeah. is like the question that's posed. And it's At like, what within point are, is it like, no one's fucked yeah. up now? And yeah. similar to the hills have eyes, right? It's like the, I guess the argument that's being made is that we assume that like, or we we believe that when it happens within the realms of normal society, that it is it's appropriate and it's okay. But in the hills have eyes and in Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Wes Craven and Toby Hooper propose this idea of like well look at these other these examples outside of society who have similar rituals or are are imitating these uh the functions that Mm -hmm. we that we perform as a society but we're they're doing it in a grotesque way way. yeah Yeah, they're doing it in a way that is that that seems grotesque to us or is is completely strange Mm um but yeah so in this sequence she goes up she finds that she uh is on the second floor and fucking yeets herself out of the second floor window through the glass yeah so this is the first time she'll do it again (laughs) here in a little bit uh, after the dinner scene (laughs) the second time the big one the yeah. second time's the good one <laughs> yeah because but we do get the fake out she runs through the uh yeah all the brush and stuff and that's the sequence where i guess yeah gunner hansen was so fast and faster than her even wearing like platform shoes that he had to like actively slow down and do mm-hmm. other shit to st- keep <laughs> from catching up to her yeah um but she makes it back to the gas station and thinks she's safe for a second um we get a really weirdly gropey scene with the old man uh gas station attendant yeah. Like, no, I just like was thinking about like, that gropey scene. Was just fondling like, her hair. Yeah, these are this this whole. He's like trying to get her to rest her head on his shoulder. Yeah, the beginning like, of this whole okay. sequence is like I don't know you. Yeah, this is Thumb- some of the most. <laughs> that's my purse. <laughs> this is some of the most unsettling stuff in the movie. Like, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of like weirdly. Hard. It's so hard to watch. Um, we'll talk about yeah, like exploitation films as a category here in a second but like the so she sees like the roasting meat and stuff and you're like oh what where did that come from yeah they really uh, zoom in on that yeah, yeah. it's <laughs> like a vague torso there's a vague torso shape chunk 
just roasting the away. History. Did you were you watching this when you were making us? I was. That was the earlier? one sequence. <laughs> oh, now like, I was making good. sliders. What is he? What is he but cooking I with did have there? to go back and like <laughs> add coals to the fire and uh, like move this piece, yeah, move move him. this pork shoulder around, and I was just like, huh. Daniel brought us some smoked uh, pork sliders uh, straight he had just pulled off the grill before he came to record. I, I, I had to I apologize for being meat. late to recording. <laughs> yeah. I smoked some meat all day today, but I was that one scene of them like roasting human flesh. Uh, that's probably the best way to do that. Yeah. It's yeah. just like a ceramic wall um, and a decent Like an kiln or something. Yeah, yeah you're basically right? just baking it. It had yeah. a good bark on it. No, yeah. I mean, it's a little mired going on there. Well, I guess <laughs> yeah. it would be mired because it would be like ambient heat. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is a sequence where she uh, there's a fake out where he he's like, all right, we're, we'll go get help. There's no phone here. Goes out to get the pickup truck. Uh, and she starts to have second thoughts as she's sitting in there with the roasting meats and stuff. Right. And he comes back in with a burlap sack and rope. Uh, and then <laughs> it just kind of like stands there, and she's like, "What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> you're not. You're Wait gonna tie, a second. You're not gonna tie me up with that rope, are you?" He's like, "I'm gonna tie you up with that rope. You're not gonna tie me up with that rope, are you?" I might be doing that. Uh, Seems like I'm gonna do that. Yeah, yeah pretty she, sure. She pulls out a knife on him, to which he brings out a broom. This is my only <laughs> grievance. I was like, "Okay, stretching the imagination." He brought a, bit a broom here. to a knife fight, and he wins. Mm-hmm. He wins. He he uh he fl- he kind of broom back. slaps her, dude. Yeah, he broom slaps, and it's like light tapping. Like when you're watching it, you're like, this Giddily. man's just kind of like baptizing her with the broom. Yeah. But from her interviews afterwards, she she got pretty fucked up. That doesn't that seem like it was scene. a pleasant experience. He like no, broke yeah. the broom. Yeah, yeah, no, and she was bruised. Like he yeah. he, he beat the shit out of her yeah. with that broom. That wasn't great. God. Um, ties her up and uh, throws her into the car in a very disturbing sequence. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the rest of the movie kind of like you know is is sort of the the chaotic uh, downslide into. There's the, only the like twenty minutes from yeah. when she's in the, the car ritual. to the mm-hmm. end of the movie. Yeah, the the whole th- sequence with back at the house is this entire thing where we get. Um, the, we uh, meet the family. We meet the whole family, right? We, we, we learn that the hitchhiker from earlier is the is the the middle brother, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Leatherface is the youngest brother, and then they bring down Grandpa from upstairs, who is apparently still alive, uh, even though he's like a. I that was the biggest scare yeah, for he's me. A dried up husk of a of a. Of a They're like, go get grandfather, and you're like, that dude's dead as hell. Uh, These people are <laughs> crazy. At, at one point. <laughs> They still haven't like completely given right. it away, but they bring him down, and if you look closely, you see his mouth like moving. Yeah, like suckling. He's like, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm. And, and I wish like, you all could have just seen what <laughs> I saw. That was amazing. <laughs> that was me eating the pork sliders. <laughs> Don't do that. Again. I'm, I'm, I've got more pork at home. <laughs> um, so yeah, in the dinner scene, they cut uh, Marilyn Burns' finger for real, and then have yeah, of uh, course they the did. old grandpa mm-hmm. man suck on her finger. Yeah, they uh, had a prop knife, but it didn't work. Yeah, it didn't yeah. Work. It they couldn't get the blood to spurt. But they, blood yeah, out, so yeah. we we I guess audience wise, we thought we the audience is supposed to think he's dead mm-hmm. when they mm-hmm. wheel him in, and then they like cut her finger and she bleeds, and they like suckle this in his corpse mouth, of a, like this a husk of a man uh, like a little bit of blood and then he like comes alive and starts like he like slurping her his, throwing his hands up like a, yeah. like a little baby or something it's, and he's uh, a very very infirm yeah. old man like just yeah. does nothing I guess works. he's a vampire yeah he just lives off well, of it, the it, fucking and it's funny too right po- so they y- clearly are butchering humans and yeah. they're like they're having sausage for dinner yeah and I was like, oh, okay. I see what you did there. Well, there was a meat grinder in the uh, yeah. in the kitchen earlier. So you yeah. have to assume that that sausage. And then also, so I think something we kind of glossed over is that Franklin 
in the sequence where they're in the his grandparents' house, they have stopped at the gas station, and while they were there, they bought some sausage, and he is chewing I on it. I thought about that. For like yeah. 15 minutes. Yeah, he's it looks working like a on cigar that. cigar Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Which, that poor actor had to just, like, have a sausage in his mouth for, like, a in day in the Texas weather. heat. <sighs> um, Another so, crime. So the rest of the movie consists of uh, them trying to, trying to finagle a hammer into the hand of the grandpa to murder Sally. Um, she manages to break free, yeets herself out the window for the second time but it's like um, a glorious one where it's it like is. the perfect framing and her body just goes straight through the motherfucker yeah, and it's, it's like you could practically hear the hallelujah in the background it doesn't there's no real music yeah this movie is all yeah. just sound effects except yeah. for some like random cut, symbol you could cut things. in the how you like me now arguably whenever he's dancing at the very end oh, with yeah. the chainsaw that's good yeah. in the middle of the road we're just gonna uh, do a super cut of every movie, but with like a "How You Like Me Now" sequence. Just an entire music video for that one song. Yeah. The one, uh, before we get too far past that ritual of feeding Grandpa, um, actor that played Grandpa didn't know that the prop knife wasn't working. Right. And they, wasn't aware that they were gonna shove oh, an actual bloody finger in his mouth. And he just went a sucking. Yep. And then afterwards, he admitted in interviews. That oh yeah no I realize now that that was actually just her Actual fleshy blood. Thing. yeah <laughs> yep um, so good for him he toughed it out uh, great job great Every, acting everyone everybody did a great job uh, so Sally escapes uh, she's chased by Leatherface uh, and uh, the hitchhiker brother uh, the hitchhiker brother gets run over by a truck. Um, the truck mm. driver jumps out to the rescue. Uh, he, the real hero of this movie, um, which I love. We'll get to it. We'll get to the end. But the truck yeah. driver is like there and gone. Yeah, he's mm. like, all right, fuck this shit. Like yeah. he does. Yeah, but he manages to knock out Leatherface with a with a pipe out. hammer. They. It's funny because they're like she got in the truck, right? Yeah, yeah. and then, and then they get out the, out of the truck. They get out the other tr- side. It's, it's like just drive away. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but Leatherface gets knocked down, cuts his leg with his own chainsaw. Uh, another pickup truck shows up, uh, and Sally manages to escape away. You know? Right. Well, here's um, my sticking point. Sally gets in the truck. The truck driver, who we know is uninjured and is just like throwing a wrench, fucking just starts running. Yeah. It's like, great. Guess I'll just go on a marathon <laughs> yeah, now. Like you would. Yeah. yeah. Dude's on his way out. He's like, I'm going to Round Rock. I'm going <laughs> to go fucking, I'm going to go hit the strip mall, guys. Yeah. Truly. Shit is fucked up. Uh, yeah, and that's the that's the whole movie. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that, it ends so see, suddenly too. Yeah, we it see does. Sally just unhinged in yeah. the back of that truck, laughing. Covered. Yeah, in that blood. final shot, man. Like of and her, she, she admitted she's... that like, so they were quote unquote done with the shoot. Yeah, and then called her back to finish that scene, God. and she was like, "Me laughing at the end of that, that was just me." I'm yeah, just unhinged like, I was by so the end of that movie. Done. Yeah, yeah, it's a. Um, it's a great final sequence. Like, yeah, yeah, it does. That final shot of her is the most. I, that's yeah. As I, I was watching, that sets a trope too, because like we've talked, like Ready or Not, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, where same she just thing. Snaps at the yeah. end. Yeah, you're crying so the... hard that you start laughing, yeah. or like yeah, just cabin in the woods. Manic. Yeah, yeah. They have that. like yeah. even um, uh, hush. You get mm-hmm. kind of that yeah. like sitting on the porch, and she just kind of breaks. You know? Yeah, it's the final girl. Yeah, it's the the final girl like girl. The final, final girl. girl. Final girl. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's a great shot. And the whole, like, final thing, like, it just, uh, it, it runs off. It ramps up and just runs out of, like, goes crazy. That's a, a great Also, the, and, and, like, we're underselling the chase of this is, like, 
he closes the gap sometimes, but mm-hmm. then she'll, she'll get away. And like the yeah. the last bit, even her getting in the bed of the truck and the truck taking off, he like takes a swipe at her, and you're like, oh fuck, this yeah. could be it. Yeah, like Close. he's he's inches. Yeah, uh, at wa- certain points, and it is just gut wrenching. Like every haunted house I've ever been to. Exactly. Because every fucking haunted house has yeah. that guy with. Granted, it's a fake chainsaw. Right. But it's the same thing, and it works every time. Yeah. It's always scary. Should we do a haunted house? Yeah. Let's fucking go. I love it. I wanted to do one so badly, but Mary-Kate will not let me. Let's go to the one for worth. I'm happy. I'm doing whatever. Okay, we can go to that one if we don't go in that one little room at the end that they let you opt out of. That's super claustrophobic. Okay. I skipped that one. You guys can go through that one. All right. Are you, but they purposely... Are you down? Yeah, I'm down. I'm down. Cutting Edge? Yeah, You're Cutting talking? Edge. Yeah. yeah. This there's is on the podcast, no, baby. Yeah, yeah, we got to commit to it now. Let's just do a mass <laughs> invite of all of our guests yeah. and see who will do it. Jamaro's a hard no. I already know that now. Yeah. He will never. He'll tell us he has <laughs> no. kid duties. He's there's lying. A, there's one room at the end that like they let you opt out of. Yeah. Because uh-huh. it's super tight and it fucked me up. Because I've talked oh, about yeah. it. That's my, yeah. That's my thing. That's my thing. Everybody has their thing. Fair enough. Um, but I'll do the whole rest of it. Oh, yeah. I love that shit. Right, Except yeah. for that one. Can we get a little bit drunk, room? though? Just like a little liquid courage. How yeah. else do you do it? You're going to have to wait in line for like an hour to get in. I, mean, I did. The last one we I went to. can get some of those little shooters. This nice. is a wild story. The last one I went <laughs> to was a sorority formal in October. I went as a date. Like someone's arm candy. It wasn't nice. like a fancy formal. It was just like a like. You a, were the candy. I was. I was the arm candy. <laughs> but I went with, and it was like a bunch of my friends were all together too. So it was like a bunch of my friends got to be arm candy, okay. and we all went together. But someone's okay. date got you way too drunk. Went to a haunted house with the sort. See, in my head, yeah. when you said that, I was like, it was a sorority party that was a haunted, haunted house. house. That'd be oh. even cooler. I was like, what was the scary? Like, go on. Too, yeah. Your dad's disappointed in you. Tell me <laughs> We've run out of cocaine at the party. Yeah. That's just Wait, bodies, what? bodies, our, bodies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> our family's bankrupt. Oh. <laughs> Your parents were upper middle class. class. <laughs> uh, first, I think it's worth getting into the uh, the infamous production of this movie. So yeah. we talked in our last Fuck, episode man. about cursed sets. Uh, and then there are productions <laughs> like this one where uh, the circumstances were just inhumane. It should be illegal. Toby like, Hooper talks about openly. They definitely broke some laws. Oh, yeah. In interviews about how much the entire crew of the movie hated him by the end of filming. And he says they just kind of had to get over it. They yeah. needed a while to cool them, off. Yeah. A few years. Some, some years to cool <laughs> off. Uh, the house where the film was shot was located uh, on a road near Round Rock, Texas. Uh, there's now a subdivision there called La Frontera. Uh, the crew was filming 16-hour days, seven days a week, in the middle of July in Texas. Um, we just got through that part of the year here in Dallas, and I think you guys both Fuck, can, man, can attest to how shit. miserable that is. I I've done. Go outside. No, man. I've done five days on, two days off. I did one six-day on, one day off or mm-hmm. something, um, and, and no matter – it just doesn't – it just doesn't fucking matter. You're working like 16 hour days. It just, it yeah, all sucks. Man. It um, all sucks. Regular. Yeah. So several, you know, consecutive days above a hundred degrees out there between 105, 110 yeah. degrees. Uh, it sounds like Wes Craven and Peter Locke did not learn anything from uh, the production of this movie. If anything, they learned that you can get away with it. And still well, make a so movie. this is like one of my major, as, as a person who worked in film and mm-hmm. I've done this before, I've literally done these kinds of sets before. So I do feel qualified to talk about it is it's kind of my gripe that like, 
like people kind of let indie horror run away with some of these right. like labor they're really like labor violations oh, yeah. and mm. they're dangerous you that texas chainsaw massacre no- had multiple moments where a rust type thing could have happened yeah like or, they could have easily lost a bunch of people yeah exactly mm-hmm. the fact that like nobody actually died on the set of right. this movie like either from heat exhaustion or just from right accidental decapitation or tetanus they didn't even or, change clothes for like yeah. weeks and they're so, like their clothes were stiff as a board by the yeah just from sweat and fake blood i and, would and it's like, like so frustrating to me um one it, it's like i have to balance what i say because like this right you said like he's fresh out of film school a lot of these people are like the whole crew really is they're just a bunch of young kids like mm-hmm. 22 23 whatever yeah they're gonna make to... this movie or die trying yeah, yeah 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 they're like they're gonna die on the altar of this movie they all start out with a pure vision and then it just keeps going like i've mm. worked i literally worked a movie right after college there was a bunch of college kids in the heat of texas in summer like along these lines just not as outdoors as that one yeah but it's it it's like on a wing and a prayer with very little money and it always feels like the first two i mean seven days is nuts they they should have had a day off at Mm. least but like the first week or two feels like summer camp because you're just living together working together but then it starts to like eat like your mental health goes you're not you're eating shit because they don't have money like if they don't have money to to take a day off they don't have money to feed you well yeah so you're just they're also filming eating trash bumfuck yeah, you're sleeping poorly. And you're just imagine, sweating every imagine single the day. Smell of like so the house, uh, yeah. the set decoration for the house, right? Mm. Um, a lot of fake blood, but a lot of real animal blood used to decorate yeah. the walls and yep. everything. And animal corpses, animal corpses that are culled from just around rural yeah, Texas yeah. and the area. Just and then just everybody's just bo. Just everybody's mm. fucking like body right. odor. I would compare uh, the experience of Gunnar Hansen to uh, Michael Berryman on the set of The Hills Have yeah. Eyes, where we talk about Michael Berryman also having super dangerous, extreme extremely dangerous because of They're his like inability to sweat poisonous snake out and no one found it <laughs> they were just like whoop that's gone uh but gunner hansen talks about the fact that like that that mask you know that thing never got washed and he had to wear that thing in yeah. 110 degree heat for 12 hours a day for a month um i get really mad especially at the hills have eyes and especially the texas chainsaw massacre because like they it shouldn't it shouldn't have worked mm-hmm. like the way that they shot all this, made all this, like yeah. what they did with how little they had. Um, there are a lot of kids that get out of film school and think they can do that. They're like, I'm going to yeah, make a like cheap, like that's movie. the wrong takeaway. You should, a, <laughs> like, right. And like really what we should have learned was like, don't fucking do this. Yeah. And they, you know, they say pressure makes diamonds, but I'm not confident. Like enough pressure to almost kill a person is worth a diamond. Yeah. Having mm-hmm. like grown now, and yeah, like you can serve make, my time i'm you like you can make diamonds in a lab now okay <laughs> you can yeah and who's to say they aren't as bad yeah but uh but we don't have to kill people in a mine to yeah make a diamond. it's just mm-hmm. the mythology of it that frustrates me is they're like yeah well it's been done before successfully literally in texas like mm-hmm. it can be done again like this now it's become like the, a trope in yeah. the industry it is of something like, it they does call seem... you they're like oh it's an indie horror and you're like i'm gonna fu- i'm no i'm not gonna do that i'm gonna fucking yeah. die like it's i don't want to trial by fire yeah I see the same thing at like in my work with uh, like surgical residents, medical residents, really, where you have the people that are training in them went to medical school 40, 50 years ago. Yeah. And they're like, my life fucking sucked right. when so I, I did it. Yours. So yours is going to be a living hell. It's like, no, we don't really. Right. You want if your you fucking copy. student loans forgiven? Fuck yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if you copy what I did, you'll be successful. And you're like, it doesn't have to be that way. Though. Yeah. That's yeah. kind of the point. Like, 
there's no reason to continue this cycle. Right. Because you're right. There is like a mythology, mythologization, mythology. That's literally the plot of that. Is the idea, yeah. Is the, uh, whenever you listen to interviews or like, you know, uh, behind the scenes or when people are doing documentary, like film documentaries about the making of this movie, it's talked about with a sense of reverence the amount of suffering that everybody was put through. Yeah, like the the suffering artist is something we revere. Yeah, it's kind of. The pain Olympics. You know, we got got kind of into (laughs) the weeds about this in our last conversation and put poltergeist but it does the sheer amount of danger and torment that we know took place on the set of this movie sort of you know does it elevate the terror of it in any way because in a way it kind of gives a little bit of validity to the opening credit sequence Mm -hmm. the events of this movie kind of did take place in a certain to a certain degree right in the sense that you had a bunch of these kids running around in the summer in texas and like that in and of itself is fucking right like, and, like you know they didn't have like yeah. a i don't know an armorer on set to just keep their eyes on a chainsaw or yeah. uh like a stunt coordinator somebody just like okay mm-hmm. she's gonna yeet herself through a window yeah. i love that we keep saying yeet by the way <laughs> uh <laughs> yeet herself through a window here's a safe <laughs> yeah. way to do it what else are you gonna say? it's like when you ask actors to do a fight scene and no one has any experience with like f- act like fake fighting and mm-hmm. you someone's gonna get hurt that's just mm-hmm. how that works like there's just no there's you it it's not safe and it's super dangerous and like they're so lucky no one died. If someone had died making that movie, it would go down differently. Like oh, yeah. it'd be a different movie. Yeah, yeah, it is. And I think that's that's the funny thing that like we have to like. It, there's a conflict there, right? Because it right. has we are so far removed from it. And I think this is you know we spent a lot of time talking about this. In well, I'm not. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're so far removed temporally from it, like, right? You know, yeah, from yeah. 1974. Uh, right. That the idea of of all these things happening, you know, it, it, we we can mythologize them. And yeah. Like talk about well, them and I I express distance. my frustration because I yeah. think too it's a business model too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So like company like smarter companies will come in and be like we can make cheap horror movies because there is kind of like a free or cheap labor market of like young people who don't know any better and, and we're gonna like job in film but yeah even, even more abstractly there's a mystique to the idea that if you have people that suffer on the set for this horror movie that it adds a certain level of mm-hmm. almost credibility it's to like it bleeding. in a way you yeah. it's like art, it's right? blessed by the blood of yeah. the fucking yeah. like these uh, sacrificial lambs who are on the crew that just fucking, unpaid interns <laughs> who never got paid for <laughs> this I, fucking movie. I love that you're <laughs> mythologizing that but that ain't how dollars and cents works no, for a company yeah. that's trying to make a cheap horror movie yeah mm-hmm. like I've, I've heard uh, of producers say like yeah we already sold this movie like before we made it we sold this movie for like a couple like an easy mill or more mm-hmm. like easily made back the money it cost us to make this thing mm-hmm. and i'm like on set like doing my 18th hour like sweating and just being like why am i not getting paid more for this shit mm-hmm. you gotta yeah. be fucking kidding me yeah um so I, there's something about it that i've experienced that's exploitative in the sense that like it's exploited labor but for Toby and them was like a, a vision, which mm-hmm. I guess you could do in the 70s. But now I'm mm-hmm. like, if someone approaches me with a passion project and they don't have enough money, that's going to be a hard no. Oh, yeah. Unless like someone I trust is like, no, this will be fine. Yeah. At least all these people were in that the same boat right. at the time. Like they were in it together. It wasn't it's like a little a blind leading the blind. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't I'm just crusty about all of this. Exploiting yeah. them. Yeah. It was a bunch of kids getting together they thankfully got like a little bit of an investment right and ended up just able, enough money to able float to this sell, production able to sell it off so the movie like, was sold uh that is kind of like the shitty end of yeah, the story it's here real they ended up getting fucked anyways yeah, so they, they, end- they initially got their investment but then when they went into post they were like oh fuck we need more money yeah they and they, then they got they went over budget over. but they got in texas chainsawed yeah, in making the deal for distribution for this movie, uh, it was picked up, and uh, the distributor essentially took like 
um, they wanted like fifty percent of the, of the profits mm-hmm. or whatever, like an, or like a five percent. I can't remember what the number was, but it, no, it basically it was, reduced it was like fifty percent. And then they told the cast and crew like you get this certain percent. Yeah, but they didn't tell them that that was of the fifty that was left after. So they were they already took. getting half. They yeah. basically diluted all yeah, of the cast yeah. and crews like points that they received mm-hmm. on the back end by an entire half. Yeah, so the movie made. You only get like one. So. Yeah, the movie made its money back, but. It, it, all in all, like what ended up happening is there was like basically forty thousand dollars left over for the entire crew of twenty people, cast and crew of twenty people. Was who it had forty? Taken I read it was eight. Well, uh, forty adjusted by inflation. Adjusted by inflation, uh, it ends up being you. like like two million dollars or something. Mm. Yeah. For like. It's- Wait no, it was okay. So it was eight thousand, which ends up being like forty thousand. Yeah, there was yeah. eight thousand for twenty people to split in nineteen seventy six or four or yeah. five. So 40, which would be forty now, adjusted for inflation. But divide so by eight, so they each made two, five thousand dollars. Five thousand dollars, yeah, roughly. For, well, for weeks of no torture, because there's what twenty cast and crew, a little more, a little less. So everybody gets two thousand. Yeah, fuck that in Jesus. modern money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've made more off of less. Yeah. But then after the initial theatrical release, yeah, different studio yeah. picked up the rights after that and made it made it right by them. Yeah, somewhat. they went like, back and they, yeah, they various times like they sued for back pay and stuff mm-hmm. essentially. Because um, box office has made like thirty mil. Yeah, it made its money. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and it kicked I off. Mean, I mean, it's still like the, the rights to that brand are still just raking in money. Yeah. Um, to the point that, like, I mean, notably, like, so I guess we'll start talking about, you know, post-production, like, the legacy of this movie here. Um, but, yeah, like, the 2003 uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre was a $9 million movie that made, like, $107 million in the box office. And so it got immediately greenlit for that prequel that came out in, like, 2006 or whatever, mm-hmm. the the beginnings, Texas Chainsaw. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like, uh, so much like Hills Have Eyes, the story of the, of the family of Texas Chainsaw Massacre is a story of, like, the very depths of society that are forgotten or sort of glossed over by right. modern American ideals. Um, yeah, Rural it's a, America. Yeah, we talked about it's a movie about economic displacement. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, yeah, so there's, like, you know, two similar visions for, like, how these families, like, are, are like we said earlier, the underbelly of, of society that are kind of ignored. And the point of both of these movies is to just present those and show like in the hills have eyes a family who is yeah. sort of a victim of military experimentation and nuclear testing and stuff you know they're they're a parallel for the the perfect modern family that's supposed to come out a literal and, nuclear family yeah a literal <laughs> nuclear family <laughs> um and in this one too this is something that we kind of already hit but yeah the idea that the sawyer family the uh, the cannibals are yeah they're they're just a, a gruesome caricature of of uh, a group of people trying to perform um like idyllic family uh, which is funny because it's an all male family. There's not a single yeah. female within the family. Yeah, to that point, really. you know, talking about the character of Leatherface, right? So he he assumes these roles uh, because of his, you know, neurodivergence his, or infantilization, yeah, like his stature. Yeah, he, I mean, his speech is like I don't even know if I heard real words. It's gibberish. Like, it was yeah, intentionally gibberish. Yeah, yeah. And he, yeah, whenever the dinner scene happens, he's dressed in, you know, in an apron and he's wearing a wig to, to simulate And his being. mask has makeup on. Yeah. Which always made me wonder. I was like, I wonder if that's like a feminine masculine, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like he's got more makeup to associate himself as like, I miss mother, maybe. Yeah. Dress, and I think it I'll goes back to the face on with a, with a masculine like tie. Mm-hmm. He has like a very like a businessman-y I mean, kind of If we're going to go back to like the Gein trope, like 
the loss of the mother because we don't see the mother there. Yeah. Like you're replacing that with. Yeah. Well, maybe that's like part of some sort of feminine. Yeah. It's it's the Norman Bates thing. It's like he, he couldn't remove her from his existence Mm -hmm. and maybe because of his like inability to just like even just grapple with normal reality or whatever Mm -hmm. he now subsumes this role. And then similarly becomes mother briefly. Yeah. And then everybody else is in the family, like is also bought into it because that's they are all that they have like they exist in their own hellish universe that is separate from everybody else and so they're that's that's how they're able to spiral reminds me of uh (laughs) y'all watch rick and morty yeah you know fruity land what which one was fruity land that's the one where beth has a best friend and so rick builds the (laughs) the perfectly safe universe and beth abandons her best friend in the perfect it's like uh like of a children's cartoon where a universe he's like you literally can't drown but she finds out she left him there for like decades and he becomes a, a what do they call him? It's like an incestuous cannibal. Yeah, it's a uh, humps the little cartoon characters who then give birth to real flesh that it's he cooks uh, and eats. Nick Joe from, uh, from, you know, from Mad Max. Yeah. It's, uh, mm-hmm. That's, yeah, he becomes the, the Mad Max guy. <laughs> he um, does a whole play about it to explain. <laughs> I'm going to watch that episode tonight. It was a nice detour, yeah. <laughs> Fruity land. Um, so this is also like a pretty. Uh, so Toby Hooper apparently didn't eat meat for quite a while during and after the filming. I of saw Texas a quote Massacre. that said this movie made Guillermo del yeah. Toro go vegetarian. Yeah, apparently made a couple. Yeah, several yeah, people be vegetarian for a while because yeah, that's a. It's it's proposed. It's put forth as being the most uh, pro vegetarian movie uh, possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you could, yeah, because the movie is about meat. It's I about, see it. yeah, yeah, it's about slaughterhouses and about like what is the yeah. li- whether like you want to talk about like the actual slaughterhouse, yeah, or industrial slaughter, the, the people, yeah, like it's all about meat, yeah. And they started off, they show meat on the road, we're yeah. all just like bags right, of meat, yeah, big old bag of bones, yeah. Um, the sequels kind of play with that in a fun way. Have you ever seen Texas Chainsaw Massacre? I haven't seen any of two? the other ones. No, this is um, the only I've only seen I've only one. seen the Trey Songs one and this <laughs> one. I'm pretty. I'm gonna look it up right now because I'm eighty percent. Com- I looked it up. Nice. <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs> you fact checked me <laughs> mid podcast. Uh, but yeah, no, the sequel is like Sorry, essentially. I had to. No, you have 2013. Mm-hmm. It is Alexander Daddario, Scott Eastwood, Trey Songs, little baby Eastwood. Hell yeah. So there is the 1986 uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2, which, mm-hmm. uh, so it has, uh, so the character that is credited as the old man in this, um, Jim Cito, who is the, um, he's the cook. Like, he's the the, old, mm-hmm. the eldest brother, right? He returns in that movie. Um, and the idea is essentially that him and Leatherface have gone up to Dallas, like to DFW. Uh, and he participates in, like, a chili cook-off on Texas OU weekend. Hell uh, yes. Wait he, a minute. We have to watch this movie right now. Yeah, yeah, I was watching it, dude. I was watching it earlier. And it is it is the most... I feel like we're in our element here <laughs> as yeah. a Dallas-based horror movie podcast. And I was watching that one, and like the idea is like the movie opens with these two fucking college kids driving up to Dallas for Texas OU weekend, and then they get uh, murdered by Leatherface and uh, Chop Top Mosley. So Chop Top is the, is the name that's given to that's the... That's the hitchhiker, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. to the middle brother okay. um, who obtains a new sort of like character trait of having gone to Vietnam and suffered uh, an injury that gives him a metal plate in his head. Huh. Uh, and it's a really... He, the character uh, played in the the newer version, the 1986 sequel, is way more developed and fucking interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but that movie, yeah, sets forth the idea that, like, the cook is going out to these chili cook-offs and, like, giving people... <laughs> Like he's he ca- wins. I call it pulling a Cartman. Yeah, I was gonna say it's like another fucking 
cartoon. Isn't it yeah. a South Park like episode? South Park, yeah. yeah. Eat your <laughs> 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 Where he like chops his. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but he wins. He wins the cookoff like every uh, year. Apparently, so did Cartman. Yeah, and so it's like it's the best. It's the best kind of meat. Uh, so we have that one. We have the 2003. Uh, it's not really a remake. Um, the, the The Texas Chainsaw Massacre from 2003, starring Jessica Biel, where it kind of you could say that it kind of like takes pay, play, place directly after the events of. Where's this the movie. one with Matthew McConaughey? Uh, so that's the nineties. Ninety six. Yeah. Um, Cause I I saw they have one with Matthew McConaughey and Renee Zellweger. That's ninety five. Five. Yeah, um, and that's Chainsaw Massacre: The Next Generation. Right. Cool. Okay. So that's like an actual sequel. That's the one that I didn't watch. I was trying to watch as many as I could in the past like, forty eight yeah. hours. Um, I did rewatch the twenty twenty two. Netflix, the Texas new Chainsaw one. Massacre. The most recent one. This is what I say, though, is like, we've had a chainsaw almost every decade. One for every decade, at least. Yeah. yeah. And, and the 2022 the, is ours for, for the a 20s, lot of those follow-ups, uh, Kim and Toby were involved as well. I mean, Toby passed away in 2017 or something. I thought it was 2015 or 2017. I can't remember. Somewhere around there. But Kim, even on the newest one, I think, was at least part of the production team. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like, they've stuck... They've stuck with the franchise. Yeah, they were all, they were the on whole time. Especially yeah, for the 2003 remake, they were on there, and you're like, I can sell like that well, movie. Ownership of the rights went to New Line, New Line Cinema, mm. which is uh, of uh, Nightmare on Elm Street fame. Okay, yeah. They actually, so they're proprietors of several horror franchises um, that they've owned the rights to. They have also done like a bunch. Of, they did the Lord of the Rings movies. Mm. They're just like a big, big production company. Yeah. Um, but I saw that they had bought the rights, the IP to Texas Chainsaw. And I guess they had worked, had shopped out more stories to be told, which turned into the 2022 version yeah. that you were just describing. Mm. That movie is a which you did not like. Steamy pile of garbage, man. Fucking Finally, hate. a hot take. Yeah, I hate, I hate that fucking movie. Do I it watched to, it again. Do it to him, Travis. I watched it again last <laughs> night. Man. Give it's him just a like, beat. Yeah. It is, it is under Yeah, so the story is about the evils of like gentrification uh so uh isn't it where he just like slaughters a bunch of really obnoxious hipsters in a bus yeah the premise is that there is a group of investors who have basically purchased a town uh in rural texas Uh, you know as one does yeah and Mm. so they come in and it's like a guy who's like a chef and uh, some of the people and like they're bringing in a bunch of other like uh, like coastal Developer. elite developers mm-hmm. who are gonna come in. Elite. That's how they're presented, and like because Yikes. yeah, one of the uh, the good guy characters is like, oh, you guys don't like guns, and one of the other like one of the main uh, characters, she's a victim of like a school shooting and stuff. Like she survived a school shooting, and there's a lot of like really weird conflicting. That's like, just like name dropping too hmm. many things. Yeah, yeah. too many things at yeah. once. Like uh, pick one it tragedy. Me of, like the the plot of Yellowstone, uh, where like. This family owns this ranch in Yellowstone. Oh, the developers yeah. come out, and then you know what? Fuck them. Yeah, it, it yeah. kind of like it seems a mistake. The argument uh, people often make, like, so the idea of like gentrification or economic displacement, right? Which were you know a really big, very interestingly fleshed out theme in the original movie. Um, but it kind of does that thing where it makes the mistake of sort of like. Uh, culturally associating like gentrification uh with like this you know like coastal elite politics or like liberal politics or something and like basically kind of what we talked about the bodies 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 episode being like all right wokeness is the butt of the joke sort of thing it's like punching Um, down which is fine like that's that's one thing but then it's also just like not a good like it proposes a lot of things antithesis as you know as like either protagonistic to the like the central like the central plot is like you know this like well you i don't know i, I haven't seen any yeah of it, so, so i'm just basing mm, my entire analysis off of the, like uh, one line yeah, of dialogue just, you fed it's me it's such a contrived 
way to think about it. Like, oh, where does gentrification happen? Right. In a city. Where do the liberals live? Yeah. In a city. Well, but it's no, not even those that. Those are mutually exclusive things. Right. That's the thing know, is, like, like, it's not even that. It's, like, the idea that, like, this uh, this group of investors goes out to, like, a random rural town that right. they assume. Like, mm-hmm. I was like, the logic of this breaks down really fast. It's like, you're going to come out and make, like, a boutique restaurant in the middle of fucking nowhere and right. assume that, like, Someone's everybody's going to want to come yeah. here. Unless it's fucking, like, Nobu. Nobody's yeah, going to go there. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. Or so, if your town is Marfa. In which case, yes, you're going to get lots of business. Yeah. It's, yeah. So, like, that aside, that's... the re- that took years. Yeah. Right? I mean, it, and it, yeah. it wasn't, like, intentional in a lot of ways. Yeah. It was just... Marfa just had one crazy guy who was like, yeah. this yeah. place, yeah, this is it. <laughs> um, there's one good review that was talking about how, like, it's clear that... Uh, like clear as day that the producers of the 2022 Texas Chainsaw Massacre saw uh, David Gordon Green's 2018 uh, oh, reboot of Halloween, mm. and they thought they could accomplish the same thing. We can um, do this. They essentially do so instead of you know the Laurie Strode character from Halloween, they take like Sally Hardesty literally is a carbon copy of Laurie mm. Strode. Yeah. She like is in the background of the 2022 movie and like shows up randomly and she's like a grizzled old woman who wants Sally to... Sally Hardesty? Yeah, Sally uh, from, from oh, the original okay, Texas sorry. Chainsaw. I was like, Halloween came out after Texas after Chainsaw this, yeah. Massacre mm-hmm. in the 70s. We're talking about she is a carbon copy of Laurie Strode from the 2018. Exactly. Movie. It's like the idea of Whew. like, so the 2018. Had to do some math sorry there. about that. Yeah. So the, <laughs> the 2018 one mathin'. drags, you know, Jamie right. Lee Curtis into this film franchise again. And, and so it just feels kind of like sleazy. Like they just mm-hmm. stole. It's a very cynical movie with very bad. It's just like it, the gore is fun. There's a lot of really cool kills in it, but it's right. kind of undercut because yeah. there's, it's not set up. Like there's no, pay, it's not payoff at all. Like the gore. Like there's no um, there's no suspense yeah it's just mm. bloody violence that is just sort of nonsensical um, it's fun and it's fun to see that stuff on screen but kind of like we talked about at the beginning of this top of this movie is like there's a, there's various artful ways to use like yeah. violence in a horror movie if you're trying to trying to do something with that and this movie just like doesn't really care to do Chucks anything with anything yeah mm. um, no the kills are great I love the kills in that movie there's a there's a, there's a really cool moment have you seen the 2022 Chainsaw yeah. The new or are we talking about we're, Halloween? We've been talking. Oh, we're talking about the new 2022 Texas Chainsaw Massacre. No, I haven't watched it. Oh, because yeah. everybody said it was garbage. Yeah, it's. But I, Travis I did literally see the new like the, the yeah. Halloween that yeah they've ripped off, and there's great kills. in The that first movie David too. Dor- Yeah, I think the first one in that I franchise. I kind of like both. The first one I think is good. Yeah, I'm a I, weirdo. I didn't like Halloween Kills. I wasn't a huge fan. I'm a weirdo. I yeah. really liked. I think I really like the first, and I I kind of I like the second one. Halloween Kills just goes. I want to rewatch rails, it, man. Uh, before Halloween ends, yeah. Before the new one, which we should talk about, like upcoming movies. When we're done, we'll talk about upcoming movies. Yeah, there's a couple. Of, it's spooky season, dude. Soon, baby. There's gonna be some fun stuff happening for this and on this podcast here yeah. in the next several weeks. Um, but yeah, hype. so we talked about Texas Chainsaw Massacre today. Um, I think, like I said, why don't man, you Texas Chainsaw Massacre our Instagram real fast? <laughs> Damn. With your DMs. Uh, this, yeah, so this movie... You know what I want massacred? My engagement. My, my DMs. I want you to massacre my my direct messages on Instagram. I was just waiting for massacre that ass. Like. <laughs> you can massacre these nuts. <laughs> All right. Uh, All right, this is, Hey, this is the climax of the Slasher series. Uh, I think this yeah, is a good is. one to put at the fucking, like, at the fucking top, man. It's, uh, it, we're, this isn't going to be the only series we do on Slashers, obviously, because there's a lot of really good. That's that Dodge Charger guy out there again, man. Is it? It's always the Dodge. Wow, Charger we have that guy. recorded too. This keep that on the podcast, Travis. I'm gonna save that. That sounded eerie too. 
I, I thought it was like some backing track. Did he just like, like destroy a that, tire? Probably. That's insane. It's probably in your backyard, Travis. Like yeah, the last probably. Time. The, the perils of living on a corner, we'll dude. Yeah. Yeah. Um, dude, yeah. I had street racing near my corner. Mm. Dude, uh, last Halloween, shit. two yeah. Halloweens ago. Yeah, it shit. happened right down the street here. I have a story for you both off mic. You're going to love. <laughs> I legally cannot tell you this on mic. Oh, fuck yeah. I'm excited to hear it. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is where I think like this yeah. is a good place to like put the we, we climax with the slasher series. This isn't going to be the only put slasher a, series. Put a nail in the coffin. Put a knife in the heart. We're going to get back to slashers again. Uh, we're going to circle back to him for another series because obviously there's so many good slasher movies that we haven't even talked about yet. Mm-hmm. We haven't even um, gone like that far international. We barely scratched mm-hmm. the surface. Um, but this was a good one. I think this is like, I, I thoroughly enjoyed watching all of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies that I have in the past 48 hours. Um, the OG holds up. Like is, That's my number one. I'm like, all right, great, you're, you're going to be, like, I'm sure it's a little slow to start, but I think people like, it goes hard yeah. when it when it picks up. It goes hard, and you're just gonna be in for the ride. It's just a beautiful movie, man. Yeah. Like it's a it's a the length is perfect. Too. Yeah, yeah. Like it's oh, it's like an it's hour like tw- twenty twenty with credits twenty three yeah. or something. Which like is that. I it's, I could I could convince Mary Kate to watch that movie because it's less than two hours. Yeah, yeah. I will I, say Courtney was on the couch while I was watching it. And normally she's like, I can tune this shit out. Watch whatever you want. Yeah, she stopped like halfway through and was like. I can't tune this one out. Yeah. I was like, yes. All right. That's the point. It'll get Got to him. you, man. <laughs> Got it him. Is. Yeah. It's a, I don't know, like the scariest movie of all time. Uh, it seems like a, maybe, I don't know. I yeah. see how it's lasted. Set, yeah. set, set in the timepiece. Yeah. Like yeah. If, you, if I saw that in 74. Oh, yeah. I would have been fucking I shit my pants. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Dude. Yeah. And obviously, like, we've seen it multiple times. Like, mm. my first time watching this, like, like giving it a good watch. Like, yeah, yeah it's very unsettling. Very, mm. a very scary movie to watch for a lot of the reasons we talked about. A lot of stuff that doesn't even happen on screen, but it's like. And it's so funny, too, because uh, this is the movie that lots of other directors talk about when they're referenced. They're like, they'll make something along the lines and they'll be like, yeah, I was thinking of, like, Texas Chainsaw Massacre and, like, but the greats, like Spielberg, mm-hmm. yeah. we were talking about, saw that, and then decided to give him Poltergeist, sort of. Um, <laughs> but like, there, but yeah, but like, there's like everyone's talking. It's it's the movie, right? So they're like, oh, this is a copy of this, and you're like, no, nothing's a copy of Texas Chainsaw. And Master. you see why, and like for a reason. Like, it's, yeah. I think it's it's not overstated. Like when you really yeah. watch this movie and you see like the level of artistry, the hype it, is real. Yeah, it's it's a good. It holds up. Yeah, it's a, it's a fun movie. True. Go watch it, guys. It's a good movie. Uh, do you guys watch anything else recently that you enjoyed? Um, I've been on call for like two weeks straight, so not really. Cool. You mean um, you don't watch stuff at the <laughs> hospital when you don't have to save lives Dude, in your I downtime? I wish. Um, in my brief moments of downtime, I've just been uh, working my way through the new season of What We Do in the Shadows. Okay. Oh, and yeah. It's incredible. Um, one of the best tv series theme songs of all time that is one credit Ooh. one credit sequence that i will never skip Ooh. um if you haven't watched it i mean the movie's great too you're dead. yeah you're dead. <laughs> uh the movie's great too i think this is season three now that they're on it's great bunch of wisconsin references in that too yeah there are there's a lot of like like homey like midwest he goes on uh, his like yeah. soul-seeking trip across <laughs> the midwest um it's great I love that. Uh, I haven't watched many movies, so that's just going to be my one thing to say right now, I guess. It's, Hell yeah. Uh, is that? Daniel, I'll give you two. Uh, okay. Well, I so I actually 
I we've recorded so much that I like barely had down. I do not watch all the movies in between our episodes. I know all three of us have been so I've forced these guys to record like four. There's four nothing or five forced episodes. about it though. Like <laughs> past, oh god, like, twist weeks. my arm. Uh, but I've saved some of my wrecks because uh, I just uh, uh, inadvertently forgot. So I just finished the first season of The Righteous Gemstones. Oh, oh yes. yes. There we go. I think I may have recommended that in like one of the first episodes. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, and it's it's God, strong, it's so man. Good, oh, man. Especially it's, the first season. It's very strong. Danny McBride at his best. Mm-hmm. Oh, all of them are like yeah. they're all firing on all. John Goodman cylinders. being like, ah, oh, dude. John Goodman yeah. is the is the rock in that entire oh, show. Absolutely. So like, yeah, if you could be like, oh, I, get, I always get kind of t- like people will be like, oh, I'm tired of like Danny McBride doing or Adam his Levine shtick. Or, yeah, like yeah. they both are kind of doing their shtick, but like. It's fun to see them in contrast with like such a goaded actor like John Goodman. Oh yeah, like he is. He can. He really can make a meal out of anything. And uh, I love John Goodman. Oh my god, I always forget. You heard me. I said it. What is the 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 who who plays uh, uh, Uncle Baby Billy? Oh, uh, Walton Goggins. Walton Goggins. Goggins. Yeah, That's what I was another guy who can make well. a meal out of anything. Yeah, like truly, just you and give him any role and he'll crush it. You're in season one. Yeah, I just yeah. finished season one. Fucking Ooh, rocket yeah. ships. Hell yeah, he kills it. Yeah, it's, but it's there, the yeah, season. and my my wife went to uh, Baptist high school, so all the Christian imagery <laughs> really triggered her. She was the one who was like, "We should." She was like, "I wanted to watch this, but I waited for you." She was very kind, and then we started watching, and like I think she subconsciously took a break. Cause mm-hmm. uh, like, it's just too much. This is a great story. She got kind of <laughs> mad at me, and I was because I was right. <laughs> but that's gonna go. I'm sure that I'm sure that's it. the way she feels as well. <laughs> no, I we I'm like I gotta finish a show before I start a show. Got it. And so we we had been talking about starting like maybe the new Lord of the Rings show because we just thought you know conversation piece eh. why not? Yeah. Mm. But um, she was like, oh, do you want to start Lord of the Rings tonight? And I was like what no we're like four episodes into the righteous gemstones what do you mean like we have to finish she's like well, well do we have to i was like yes what do you mean you want yeah. to start another show you are ca- she is capable of just ending things mid whatever and just i am like up. <laughs> i yeah. i at least will get to the end of the season before i'm like all right this yeah. show wasn't worth I'm it trying to get i'm not coming back too. we're like the reason i haven't started anything else because we're finishing up a Sopranos rewatch right okay. now. Oh, yeah. That's a, good, like, that's a good, yeah. That's a good I'm, mission I don't, though. Yeah. I mean, we're almost, we're almost done. You really like, got, cause you have to commit to stuff like that. Like you have to right. be like, you, you know, there's other stuff in. I could watch. That's yeah. funny. I feel that way with anime where I'm like, do yeah. I really want to watch something that has 300 episodes? I'm going to be on this for like the rest of my life. Yeah. Like that's a decision and I'm going to stick with it. Like I just, I'm told this is the, one of the best. I better watch it all. Um, Skylar Gazondo in that movie. He's uh, a great actor. Dude, yeah. I mean, everybody should keep their eyes out for him. Yeah. He is crushing I was it. just looking up to try to see what other stuff he's going to come Booksmart. Yeah. He just did um, the last uh, Paul Thomas, uh, the Grish Pizza. Mm-hmm. He was great in that movie. He's in the resort. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. he's awesome, dude. Like, he, he kills it in that movie. He was in a fucking The Amazing Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah. Which is As weird because I Peter don't Parker, even recognize him. Howard Stacy. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but... But uh, but yeah, Righteous Gemstones season one ended. Uh, if you if you love Danny McBride, you love his humor. This is like right up your alley. Um, if you love a little like religious commentary, basically, if you hate Christians, you should watch this movie. <laughs> yeah. If you hate, if you hate, or um, if you love Christians, I'm not saying it like a oh what we're, they do we're in, yeah, yeah. But if like you if hate, you hate the mega church, corporatized ec- Christianity, yeah, the yeah. mega church economy, like that is the which uh, tends to go hand in with most people who just hate. Christians. Yeah, it's 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 a very it's a it's a very uh, it's like the case against it's, it's a critique against <laughs> evangelicalism in the United right. States, yeah. like for sure. It's not a case against Christianity, but it's, it's a case not against a case against conservatism. It's just 
just a case against Christian of like corporate Christianity because they're very careful. I think in a lot of ways to steer clear of conservative politics. Mm hmm. Yeah, I, I yeah, wonder if that really would bring be... up any of those issues. There's a whole bit where he like he's like, I love my bison, and like all this stuff about like I don't care if you're gay. Or it's, yeah. it's, but it's like a big joke. But, but it's he's presented like, as a yeah, he's as being, a joke. He's being very earnest. Yeah. He's like, it doesn't matter. I love my bison. I'm here yeah. for you, buddy. And his son, who he's like, I just, I really, he's like, yeah. there'll and be other I'm... hot dude fish in the sea. He's like, I'm kind of <laughs> just looking for like a female fish right now. He's like, oh, you're bi. He's like, uh, no. He's like, it doesn't matter, man. I love my bison. <laughs> All right, and then a buffalo walks up. That would be yeah. that is an interesting direction for that that show to go. I think if they it's just uh, a buffalo in the background. yeah right. Thinking about what they did in the second season, I definitely think there's room for like one of them for to I've run, heard it, run I've heard for it, office. Like that I've would heard definitely it spins be an out a little bit to, in season. The second two. season, yeah, is a little bit more a little, little more more scattered because uh, they they kind of take care of the loose ends of a lot of the characters in the first season. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's a great show. Yeah, what's but, your second one? Um, I don't. I actually don't even. I thought I had one for this, and I've I may have just given up on my Rex now. <laughs> like I said, we've been recording a lot. So. Well, I I have things I'm excited for. Yeah. I actually have been I I was like sticking in my brain because I I want to do uh, this is like something way far out in the distance. If it happens, I want to get this on like a podcast right now so I can literally pull the clip up. Um, but Noah Hawley, who's the showrunner for Fargo, uh, he's a really famous t- TV guy right now on a hot streak. Has a uh, kind of done a like he's already got a show for, about a, an alien tv show what like the alien like the movie although noah Far- holly wait how far did you watch into fargo i haven't seen any of uh, the tv show fargo, fargo tv show is actually really fucking awesome the oh no it's amazing everyone Clemens says it's is, incredible yeah same guy pitched and i guess is like going through the motions of setting up an alien tv show same showrunner. And so I, I've only heard good things about Fargo, and I'm just super curious because it's not the first name I oh, think of. Oh, it's called of. Alien. Mm. Yeah. He's got a oh. TV show. Oh. Yeah, like oh. Ridley Scott Alien what? TV show. And, and yes. it's going to FX. Yeah, I Ridley, think. Ridley is listed as a Which, writer on it. I mean, so, FX is killing it. Literally. Right. That's, that's, that's kind of our, our refrain. This podcast is, basically is secretly just like, an FX podcast. Yeah, we're, we're, we're sponsored yeah. by FX. God, I wish. Yeah. But if, if it's um, not in 24, it. <laughs> that it should be FX. Yeah. But I don't <laughs> think we'll see this TV show until like 2024, 25, maybe. Okay. Like, there's well, still a lot of stuff that yeah, has to like happen. There's like no information about it. So, yeah. But I, that's why I keep saying I'm putting Dude. this on the podcast like, now. I had my so eyes. When open. it comes out, I'll be like, I fucking told you all <laughs> about Noah Hawley's alien TV show with Ridley Scott. Fuck yeah. Um, but uh, so that's like way off in the distance. I, I will read a lot of news. So there's like, I there's a couple of projects. I it's got Ridley Scott. I'm sure we'll reminded. hear more about that. As I'm like, reminded of know. stuff. I'm like, yeah. oh, fuck, that's going to be good. But we're not going to see it for three years. Um, mm. But yeah. And then there's just like some movies I'm very excited about. Um, the the trailer for the new Hellraiser dropped. Dude. Uh, which I, uh, uh, screenwriting Twitter is going nuts. Horror Twitter is going nuts over yeah. that because apparently the guys who wrote it are really fucking good. Before we talk about what's coming out, the yeah. only recommendation that I have is uh, something that was recommended me uh, recommended to me by a friend. Actually, uh, my friend Zach recommended uh, "The Eyes of My Mother." Um, so it's this 2016 okay. movie that's on HBO. If you guys want to go watch it, um, all I will say is that it is a black and white horror movie in the style of like French horror, and it is. Oh, the Thin Man is leaving HBO on September 30th. The Thin Man. The Thin is it the, the Thin Mint? No, 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 no. There's a horror movie. I don't The Slender Man. It's very I don't remember is but Is it a Slender Man movie? No. 
Uh, it's supposed to be really good, but it's leaving HBO Max September. Th- this is Twitter. Twitter is giving me all my advice. Yeah. But it's leaving HBO Max September 30th, and everyone says, like, go fucking watch it while you can. That triggered your brain when I said HBO? Yeah, something mm. in my lizard brain was like, there's a movie leaving mm. soon. You should all go see. But yeah. I haven't seen either. But also watch The Eyes of My Mother. Uh, yeah, I don't want to say. I don't really want to say anything else about that movie other than that it's awesome. And uh, if you like the sort of like meditative black and white French horror kind of yeah. style. It's uh it's, it's up your alley. Get high and watch that movie. It's, it's fun. Get high uh, do it. I'm endorsing you to do drugs uh, responsibly. Um, but yeah, yeah, there's, dude, there's so much shit coming out though that like, so smile is coming out next week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got the menu coming out later this fall. Uh, we've got Hellraiser and October. Hellraiser. Halloween uh, ends and like October, weeks, October 14th. I thought it was like the second week of October. I don't remember, uh, but it's coming damn soon. Um, so it, it's the end of the David Gordon Green Halloween trilogy. I'm hoping it redeems that trilogy because that second one. I don't know. Really I think it's gonna get really weird. Yeah, I don't know. Do you think it will actually end? It just seems like it seems like they're gonna they've they've drawn this out over the course of three movies, and it didn't really seem like they had enough there. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. know. Um, we'll see. But yeah, that. Um, God, I'm sure October is just gonna be like hit after hit. Mm, yeah. um, Shutter well, always does like a. 30, 30 days yeah. of horror or something. Don't worry, darling. Releases tomorrow, doesn't it? Sure. You should. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm, I'm actually going to be the voice of, of it, not reason. I no, saw. I did I'm a press screening for it. I've you seen should it. see it. I'm just saying. It comes out. It comes out. I would say. And like, all of the drama. Go see something else. Surrounding it. Is not is worth the movie. Fucking hilarious. I've Although, heard, I've heard did, apparently I that. I really hope like, that Harry spit on Chris Pine. <laughs> that's not okay. true, there's just no way. <laughs> I, I've heard that Harry Styles, like between this and the other movie that he's doing, where he plays like a closeted like I'm police sorry. officer, we're like, oh, he Harry Styles is not a good actor. Like that's oh, what wow. we're, we've Believe learned. Not. <laughs> yeah. He's not not every popular musician can automatically funny. be a good actor. I did see a headline, uh, like a box office analysis prediction, that was saying that like interest in the movie is tracking higher than it should, based mm. off of like critic scoring is saying it's like not that interesting, mm. and I agree. I am one of those critics, but yeah, um, but there's so much drama surrounding. It has hyped the movie enough to yeah. people are going to hate watch box it. office yeah. performance. Mm-hmm. Like and we're about hopefully. to hear a lot about it. That's the new marketing, man. You uh, just got to manufacture uh, some controversy around mm-hmm. your actors and producers. And, I and this definitely doesn't feel manufactured. No, it just feels awkward. I think, but I I did watch. Don't worry, darling, and I would recommend go. Like it, it's, it, I would recommend go, go see Three Thousand Years of Longing. Oh uh, yeah, I or Barbarian, honestly. Yeah, I need to be specific with my criticism. I was going to say Barbarian, but then... We recommended it last episode. Yeah. That's a good movie. Yeah. But it was good. Don't Worry Darling just stretches out way too long. They just don't answer enough questions, Hmm. and it's like all mystery and no... I love when we do anti-press. All edging and no (laughs) climax. No, fuck that. (laughs) Big bummer. Except uh, for Florence Pugh, who gets her climax early in the movie. Hey, but if you guys want to edge yeah. your way to climax on our Instagram page, uh, this <laughs> yes! podcast massacred it. Has a Instagram is called uh, is at Scary Sunday Scaries. Um, we have a Patreon, patreoncom slash Scary Sunday Scaries. Uh, for as little as a dollar, you can go on there and get early access to bonus episodes that we do whenever we get early screenings or we just cover movies that are new releases. Uh, they'll be up there. Um, we're gonna be doing a shitload of stuff. For for October. We're going to have a 31 for 31 day watch list. Uh, Get ready to run the gauntlet. uh, There's going to be some other fun stuff happening uh, between uh, here and the 31st. Every time you say scary Sunday scaries, I hear you too, but like in reverse, it's like Sunday scary Sundays. (laughs) Sunday, Sunday 
scary was Sundays. Was that preloaded on your iPhone when you bought it? Or? No, Songs of Innocence <laughs> is the album. That's pre- It's oh, okay. fucking like I know the fucking title. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I didn't think know you were such a big Bono fan. Dude. No, crazy. it's just the one U2 album that has Dan all the bangers Stan's on it. Bono. Wow. I'm a- uh, the Saul Williams cover of that song is really great. I believe That's that. Okay. That'll be my recommendation. I, if you've ever listened to Bono speak, the man is like an engineer. He's he great in like uh, music writing like in, an engineer. Across the universe, he was great. Uh, yeah. That was a great role. Um, so we watched Texas Chainsaw Massacre <laughs> this week to uh, climax our series on slashers. Next week, we're going to be uh, kind of taking a little break and doing a, a horror comedy. You know what we're doing? I do. No, I don't. Tucker, Tucker and Dale, Dale versus yeah, Evil. Evil. He does that to you me. You just told me that like two days ago. I, I don't fucking know, man. This, I'm so glad it happened to you. It does. It happens to me all the time. Right yeah, and I'm like, oh, I didn't check the, I didn't look at the spreadsheet. My bad. And then he tells me, I'm like, oh, that was obvious. Why didn't I think yeah, of that? You said it. But like in this instance, I knew and you did, and so I feel like Travis in this scenario. Nice. And I just still feel like me. <laughs> 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 no, I feel like I've been both of you now. I've had both of you inside me, you know, and I just really mm. feel like I relate uh, to you in was different ways. Was there a there? climax involved? <laughs> 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 ah, all right, okay. we're getting wait, off the rails here. So next stop. week, uh, watch Tucker and Dill vs. Evil. Come back and listen to us do that episode. Uh, I'm at Trav the Guy on Instagram if you want to follow me. I'm at DG underscore Pappas. And at Ty Mance, T-Y-M-A-N-T-Z. Nice. Happy Hall- happy early Halloween, guys. Hey, happy don't massacred it to a gas station. Don't pick up hitchhikers. Let's just say that. Don't yeah, pick up fucking hitchhikers. This is, okay, we're trying to get out of here. But my last bit was there are uh, mental health or like mental, quote, mental health, but like prisons along the Texas highways. And there are mm-hmm. signs that tell you do not pick up hitchhikers because mm-hmm. they're, escape- they're escapees, escapees, escapers. Escapees. Escapees? Or they might I be pays. the middle brother in a family of cannibals. You never know. Right. That don't, too. Just don't drive in Texas. I think that's the lesson we learned from this movie. You might just, you might die just by driving in Texas. Just so. by being in Texas. Yeah. I oh, man. Oh, too real. Yeah. Well, okay. But you know, all no, right, be careful. Other cut guys. it. Cut it. <laughs> Sunday scaries.